I'm Vincent Green and this is the Spider Fan Family Hour and I'm joined again with my guest Noel John Tui. Talk to me Noel. Hey folks. Right. I'm sure rejoining us or joining us for the first time. Um, you do you. Well if they're only coming to us for the first time we don't want you. I know what I'm missing. But like so Noel we came back and last time we talked about Spider-Man 1 and it was fun we had a lot of laughs and well, we came back this time for Spider-Man 2. So it came out two years later from the original. We're talking about the sequel to the Tobey Maguire movie. And straight away, like, I, I kind of want to jump into the movie, but like, maybe we should leave it later to the whole Jake Gyllenhaal of it all, because that's a big thing, a bit what if, maybe later on. Okay. And um, so, right, at the start of this movie, you're kind of picking up from this the after events of Spider-Man 1, where um, he kind of leaves Mary Jane behind at the funeral. He realizes he needs a life of isolation. He's gone away, he's become estranged from Harry because of how it ended with Harry thinking Spider-Man murdered his father and Harry's kind of become a bit cold to Spider-Man and like he hates Spider-Man and Peter's kind of backed away from him probably because he doesn't want that whole weird relationship and stuff like this. So he's living in like a fairly shithole and he's working, it opens up, the scene literally opens up, at, I'm pretty sure it opens up with him on a pizza route, he's delivering some pizzas and so what do you think like did you like the way they kind of jump back and this is spider-man i think we knew more because he's down on his luck he's really grinding this time and like now he's kind of taken away from the osborne teeth of it all that we mentioned last time and he's kind of like oh, i had to really kind of gone back to his social status that he's in school where he's at the very bottom rung so did you like that change up from the first movie to the second? I absolutely think that they nailed it because I just felt like I was dropped back into the Spider-Man universe mm. from where it was. As in, yes, he could, you know, he could lift a truck over his head and he could jump 50, 60 feet in the air from a standstill and, and he's all these cool powers. But it, it just, it just, he was still grinding. Mm. And it was all, it was slightly comic relief. And then I think it was also a relatable aspect to it. Uh, but I, I literally just felt like they, they did a really good job establishing the universe. And then I when I said two years later, I just felt like it was two years later. Did you... You know, it, it just flowed, I don't know, for me. The, the spy, the, the, sorry, the pizza run. Yeah. I just thought that was, that was just did great. You, did you absolutely despise Bryce Dallas Howard from that moment on for making him give her the pizzas for free? Because I thought she was being an absolute bitch. Oh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the beautiful um, Emily Deschanel. Oh no, is that who it is? Shit. Yeah, that's, no, who it is. that's who it is. Bryce Dallas Howard is Gwen Stacy in Paratry, my bad. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was uh, the the bones. Yeah, oh, yeah, bones. Yeah, it was so strange, like looking back on a film you haven't seen in years, of course you haven't thought about but yeah, she said uh, you know, whatever, it was five past six minutes past the hour mm. and uh, so the half hour had expired and she was because I'm not paying for these and he just walks away and it was I, I, I what I love about Tobey Maguire Spider Man, what I think was right on display there. Mm. It was on display a few times throughout throughout it, but uh, it was the fact that He's not there to upset anyone. He's actually still quite a fragile, gentle nature yeah. guy. Uh, he literally just takes took, on the took chin. Took his word. Took, yeah, took it on the chin and can't pay his rent and stuff like that. And I, I always thought it was brilliant because you, the audience, get to know the Peter Parker of Spider-Man. And in this world, you mm. can imagine guys in the ground going, oh, God, where is Spider-Man now? Do you, do you, Probably doing something amazing. Do you think cool. Sam Raimi looked at the first Spider-Man and he was like, wait, this version of Peter's a bit too refined? 
and we're kind of getting away from the source material. It's because he throws him back in the college in the second one. And it's so amb- uh, yeah. there's so much ambiguity about what his role is in the world in the first one. And there was like, do you think there was maybe some pushback? Um, I can't really remember. Was there much pushback for at the time about the place Peter Hutt held in the world? Because it's more like towards this, more true to the source material in the second one in a lot of ways. Because he's in college. Doc Connors, who becomes the li- uh, just the, the lizard, isn't it? Comes the lizard. Never, yeah. never, never materialized yeah, since nah, Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah. But like, do you think it, he decided to think it's hard that way? Peter Parker was a bit too refined in the first one. We have to go back to his roots. I, w- I wonder. Like, I actually, to be honest with you, all I can all I can do is guess. And the fact that I think when you make that first film and you've blood, sweat, and tears in establishing a Spider Man, yeah. I think like especially from the opening scene, I thought he goes, you know what, I'm gonna have fun with this second one because yeah. Spider-Man exists now the city knows about it and the Daily Bugle certainly knows about yeah. it he's in the public eye he's now. in the public eye mm. he's been around for two years he's stopping you know his purses from being stolen and stuff. Yeah. he's your friendly neighbor Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yeah. and I think at the time I think he just decided <coughs> that there you know what like warts and all this is the film I made it was it made we uh we did ourselves a disservice. We didn't talk about how big the box office was from that first film. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. We were kind of brought. I, I was saying to you earlier that like when Spider Man One came out for its time, it made like eight hundred and something million. I'm just gonna bring that up here just in case I am wrong. Which was uh, especially when you talk about the, the the superhero world not being as established. You had the Superman films and you had the Batman films. Marvel if you can imagine it, was on was the DC of today. Yeah. They were completely on the back foot. They were nearly totally bankrupt at that stage. Marvel yeah. World. Marvel Comics division was nearly totally out of business. This is the period of time where it was really detrimental to Marvel's future because they lost all, a lot of the rights. Well, they um, went from 139, sorry, I looked over your shoulder, no, no, 139 no, in, the, in to make it yeah. to 825 million. So they nearly, they nearly was that quadruple? Oh, more. Their production costs. And Way more. So... So, and nearly a billion, which is incredible for a superhero movie at the time. And then part two did just a little less. 789 million with a budget of 200 million. So, yeah. So, would you call that, like, a failure? No. Well, no, I would just feel terribly sorry from everyone involved and invested in the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like, but, but I suppose if you look back, if you add inflation, now it's probably a billion dollar movie. Oh, of course. It's a, it is. Because it is there's like, it was five quid for a ticket back then, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's well, 12 it's, quid it's, now. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Absolutely crazy to think about. Do you think, actually, uh, total side note, I know we're getting on track, but do you think the Marvel movies in general have benefited from inflation? Oh, of course they have. Yeah. Because at the same time, like it, it's always it's got more expensive, but at the same time, it's never been so expensive that it isn't something you do. But I brought like one of my nieces, one of my nephews, and mm. and, and my fiance, at the time girlfriend, to one of these films. And by the time I got everyone their popcorn and stuff, here in Ireland we had the euro. I was like something like fifty eight euro. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's still, but like it's a lot of money. But at the same time, yeah. it wasn't so much money that I wasn't happy to take. It's two, two kids yeah. and 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 the the other half and and yeah. go to the film and go to the cinema. It was still fine. It's 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 never become so exorbitant that you just won't do yeah, it. Yeah, the price of popcorn there is ridiculous. Though. Yeah, the price of popcorn. It's like, is calm down. You're not selling crack cocaine. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I will keep coming back like a crack. Well, you're helping me go to the race. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 you snuck that one in there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was crazy. Really. So like it bought a more success at the box office. Massive. And like we were talking about nowadays, definitely would have cleared a billion, which is like. It's something that didn't occur even with inflation with the later Spider movies. We talk about that another day, but like 
So when this movie was coming out and it picked up in Peter's life and so like you were happier. I, I think I was kind of happier with this version of Peter compared to the first one. Great. Because it really did remind me of the cartoons and Agreed. reminded me of the comic strips where he was like literally he never, he no no matter what he did as Spider-Man, his life as Peter is always hard. And I, no matter what he did as Spider-Man, I would say his life as Peter always suffered. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you and that, 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 that mm. plays out throughout the entire film. Mm. It's always this guy trying to do the right thing by everyone mm. and letting everyone down in the process. Do you and think it's, it's like he's struggling to let people down because obviously, you know, like he doesn't make it to see Mary Jane because, mm. because as it would happen, like it happens to people all the time, your scooter gets run over by <laughs> he's trying to it's, escape. It's the clearest case bank of robbery. doing the right thing at the wrong time. Always. Mm. Like it was always like the it reminded me of the goofiness of uh, the original Clark Kent. Yeah, you exactly. know, like, I need to get out of here, and mm. I can't. If the fact that I'm just such a doofus, this would be so like me to not be around, as opposed to it being suspicious I'm not around. Yeah, and that unreliability actually becomes the superhero's best friend. If you remember when he delivered the pizzas, he literally falls out with a janitor's closet, <laughs> and he's so pathetic. He just leaves the instead of Questioning why he's there. If he leaves the mops alone, yeah, yeah he just the mops keep falling, <laughs> yeah. and he's and instead of like and 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 and, 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 and uh, uh, Emily Deschanel, I'm yeah. forgetting her name right. Yeah, Bones. It's Bones, Bones. Yeah, Bones. just yeah. A, a wonderful actress as it turns mm. out. But she was obviously in more of her infancy of her career. But uh, she she's just looking at me and she's not questioning why. He, this guy is coming out because he's such a loser of course he's coming out you know what I mean it made sense and it's hilarious though because he definitely would have made it on time if he just left the mops alone if he left the mops alone yeah absolutely yeah. but he's such a good guy he has to tidy up his mess like you know I, what I, mean? I, I have to say at that moment when I was watching it I hadn't watched it since I was in my early 20s and I'm, I'm like 25 now <laughs> A horrible looking 25. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the joke there, in case you missed it, is that I'm, I'm not 25. He's 77 years old. I'm 37 he's, years old. He's, pretty, he's yeah. exactly three years off being an octogenarian. <laughs> Jesus, that's depressing. <laughs> but anyway, um, but he was such a loser that I don't think she questioned it. Of course not. Like If, if, if you walk out of a janitor's closet, how did you get into the building? <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, first yeah. questions. Do you think, but he's such a loser that you just kind of go, yeah, this just looks like the kind of guy that would follow. Do you think that's kind of like a nod to how like people become really like disillusioned and monotonous jobs? So she's like, oh, absolutely. yeah, like of yeah, course, yeah. like she just goes, of course. Well, <laughs> to me, it was just like it made the disguise great. This guy falling out of this closet is not Spider Man. Now I don't know who he is or what his deal is. Oh, the only thing I know about this guy in the world is that he's definitely not Spider-Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's not the guy who just, just filed a robbery by swinging gracefully like a god between buildings it, and pulling cars out of the sky. So, like, I think Sam Raimi looked at part one and he kind of tried to learn from it, which is why he's always such a good director. Good yeah. directors learn from different issues with their first films and continue to kind of evolve a franchise, even though you're staying within the same genre and the same property. But, like, is part two where he loses his abilities to to uh, shoot his web to his confidence? So yeah. because he's stressed out or whatever, like he's like everybody. His heart is not in it. I he's think shooting blanks. Mm. So because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, like Spider Man, like a lot of these movies, they they kind of harken back to people think puberty changes your life, like the X Men. It's all about yeah. mutinism happens in puberty. They it's pretty much going from adolescent to adulthood and the changes we go through. And it was used for the civil rights movement. Superman wasn't able to fly until he got into his teenage years. Yeah, exactly. Even like, though he could, he had the powers of a yeah, 
and it, sun god. It makes you perfect sense too because like, yeah. you need the testosterone levels, whatever. Like humans, like like guys in normal, we get stronger when we get older because our less levels of testosterone get higher, or whatever, and our bone density grows and stuff like this. But like in like in Spider Man too, because he's shooting blanks. And um, do you think that is another? Uh, like retroactively like change retroactive change from Sam Raimi because he was like I should have made non-organic webs I absolutely and we, yeah. we have not discussed this uh, previously yeah. this yeah. is this is this has come up organically just now and I genuinely thought the same thing because it's Victor <laughs> I quite liked the, the we, we, I quite liked the fact that there was a danger of the webs yeah now, a he met it because he's a genius and i love the fact that they play mm. into i love the fact that you can play into it because he's supposed and to be didn't, above uh, average better than normal oh my god like way above he, what's that david goggins quote he's uh an extraordinary man amongst extraordinary men or something like that like you know what i mean like where like that's what made peter parker even more because there's geniuses but this guy has nothing and he's able to make everything he needs you know exactly what I mean? like, yeah 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 and uh which is what you know the the, the, the clout that bruce wayne has billions and stuff but he literally builds something huge yeah. that he could stand beside Superman and that's that's it they, they, made, they made Peter Parker really really intelligent and they, they managed him so well but the organic webbing for me bugged me yeah really yeah you know what I mean spider bugged you and you know he was still shell-shocked from fighting in Iraq yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah that's the joke everyone's gonna love that one, edit that one out. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, actually, the quote is, uncommon man amongst uncommon men. Oh, know? there you go. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listened to Joe Rogan enough. He but, said he, that. but that's the thing. I think, like, the fact that like, they, they added this frailty to it, because when, when you're seeing him in full swing, like, especially when he was, ta- especially when he was taking down the non-danger guys, you know, yeah. the guys were, like, shooting at him fr- at the start. Yeah, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Aspect, yeah, yeah, he was, he was swinging, he was dodging bullets, like, nothing. You knew it was yeah. going to touch him. In fact, it was only just, it was literally just exposition setting him up. Yeah. And you're like, this guy is a powerhouse. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be able to stop Doc Ock? Why wouldn't he be able to stop this? But the fact of the matter is that his frailties can also come, like he can literally suffer from perform performance anxiety. Yeah, exactly. Like he can literally suffer from things, like he's everything that we are, yeah. just on a scale that we could yeah. never imagine to it, be on. Exactly, like, you know what I mean? Like, and you mentioned Doc Ock there, and I'm going to do like a slightly hard segue, but like as the film progresses, you see that Peter is failing at life. You mentioned he misses uh, Mary Jane at the concert because his scooter or whatever gets ran over by bad guys in their car and stuff Cafes, right? and, and, and then it kind of does this like it's not I, won't, I, don't, I don't think it'd be called a montage but it just shows this ream of events where he's missing out on his schoolwork late again Parker you know what I mean with Doc Connors and he's kind of failing at life and like, Jonah Jameson he's, yeah he's unreliable you know what I mean him. like exactly where's Parker Parker's never around you know what I mean like, yeah. so he's failing at life and so he starts talking to Harry they're even though they're kind of a bit more distant as friends because Harry's moved into the family home and he's trying to take on this moniker and take on the place of his father in the world. A titan. Yeah, exactly. Like a, like a, an industrial titan. And then Peter talks to Harry about something he's working on. Um, or is it, sorry, no, is it Doc Connors that mentions Alfred Molina or is it, no, it's Harry that mentioned, brings, doc, brings him to meet Dr. Octavius because he's failing the school and he did a project on him. And so this is where Alfred Molina comes in. I just mentioned him. He plays Doctor Octavius, Otto Octavius, like such an undernose uh, name. <laughs> but like classic comics. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I thought. Sorry to inter- interject. Alliteration. 
Yeah, and literally, and uh, do you remember like the Riddler was Enigma, Edward Enigma? Yeah, exactly. Was, I, people loved that in comics mm. back in the day, and I, I honestly thought, as cheesy it was, if they didn't do it, I would have been properly. Yeah, Marvel pissed. loved it. Bruce Banner, Peter Parker, you know what I mean? He oh, the, the PP, the yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. loved that. Like Susan that. Storm, it goes on. Yeah, exactly. Richards, yeah. It goes on and on. Yeah, yeah, Johnny Storm. Damn it, didn't work there. Sonny Storm. I'm actually surprised his name wasn't Sunny Storm. Yeah, actually, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, like, he this introduces what well, who's going to be eventually the, the antagonist of the piece. And it felt to me, and I actually thought there was a smoothness to it, mm. as in we have the we have Peter Parker from from everyone around him's perspective, a dude, yeah, just a guy, and we have uh, Doctor Octavius, a brilliant man, but a but a man. Yeah. Uh, and they're meeting each other and they're uh, meeting of the minds. And I thought, but like how he got Peter Parker into a room with him, that felt right. Yeah. I like, I mean, it, from the first film to the second what, film. Cheesy I, yeah. Mm. Oh, bitch. Yeah. But like, he, A, he, you know. Nobel he, Prize at all. Do you remember James Franco? He's so terrible in this movie. Oh my God. He's, he's awful. T- he's in awful movie. in this film. Like, they give him nothing to work with. I, yeah. See, that's the thing. He I, walks in and walks out. That's his whole role in this entire film. Yeah. Being angry at Spider Man, angry at Spider Man. Like, we'll talk later on about he goes, I'm ruined, I've got nothing left but Spider Man now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Terrible writing, absolutely Terrible. atrocious writing. Like, I will, I absolutely refuse to piss on James Franco in this film because I give him nothing to do with it. I, you know what? We're both, we're both sports guys as mm. well, and sometimes you're thinking, Oh, this guy isn't doing this, and you kind of go, No, no, no. That guy's doing what the coach told him. Exactly, he's got a role. That guy needs to stop this from happening, and it's not glorious, and it doesn't get you on the front of like, you know, a magazine, and it doesn't get you awards. But yeah. he's he's good at it, and he's yeah. doing it, and that's all he can ask for him because that's what he's been told to do, and I, that's what James Franco was to me. He literally had to be so. I think the curmudgeon is the word that comes the to mind. The way they handle Harry Osborne is atrocious I yeah, think it's the worst aspect of the film I think it was the worst aspect of the script as well because like he's he is the middle he's the fulcrum in a lot of ways he's the middleman between the previous antagonist with Mary Jane he is the the yin to the yang for Peter and mm-hmm. they don't use him at all it's just like he's the connection from Peter's older life to his new life yeah, as well he's so and, many and in the sequel like he's the connection to Octavius it's like, he's so important he's actually the reason Octavius comes after him later in the film yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what absolutely. I mean like they pay yeah. no homage to the character properly at all I think they re- but James Franco and my decision like looking back at it and seeing the sequel I think James Franco should be nowhere near that trilogy I think they should have cast someone else and they should have done a lot more with that character in general, but I think James Franco shouldn't have been anywhere near that. I think they needed a doofus. But that's that's the grading to the character, because Harry Osborne is much more than that. Like, Harry Osborne is a lot more than that. Yeah, There's exactly. No right, so like, I well, I honestly think, right, like, that if you look at the casting, right, because like last time we talked What If about the casting member in the second section, mm-hmm. and we kind of gave James Franco a pass. We did. Right, and... Like, it's been a while since I've seen these movies, so when I look back at this, right, and I think, like, not only was he the weakest part about it, but, like, he didn't suit the character at all. Like, not even at all. Like, like maybe because they gave him so little to work with, but, like, he's the guy that walks in in our rooms and Nobel Prize, you know what I mean? Like, he just shouts stupid, stupid, cheesy lines the whole film. And Happy I, to pay the bills, Doc. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah, man, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, like, do you know, so... The kind of uh, so we don't stay. I don't want to kind of trounce on James Franco as you said. He he worked with what he got. And I yeah, yeah. And my opinion is that he definitely shouldn't have been watching the sequel back. The first one, I was like, yeah, it's kind of cheesy. The second one, he they they didn't respect the character, and I think the actor didn't suit the role, and it kind of diminishes Harry Osborne, which 
really becomes highlighted in how little he's in part three as well, like, you know what I mean? But, like, so this now becomes the main relationship in a lot of ways throughout the film, apart from obviously Peter and MJ, because that's obviously always the backbone of Spider-Man. Um, but his Peter's relationship with Otto Octavius and, like, how that kind of blossomed for how he started talking to him and he realised Peter's a genius just like him. And so this added some more complications for Spider-Man as it goes down along the line because we all know Otto Octavius becomes Doc Ock. And so that's so important to the story that like, and I think once again, maybe there's a little bit of repetition here, but maybe he just wanted to be a true line. And Sam Raimi had Peter kind of look for this father figure again. Like Ben is gone. and No, I felt that. You know what I mean? Like, was there's a, do you think that was repetition or do you think he was trying to create a true line throughout the series? I think like, uh, uh, Uncle Ben was once he, well he actually said near the end of the first film that I have a father and his name was Ben, ben Parker. Parker yeah so no so Uncle Ben he considered his dad um, but I do think at the same time that Peter Uncle Ben was just a, a, a good man mm. you know a wise and grounded he was and, a good man <laughs> <laughs> but, just, but just a decent character with you know but, but like um, Peter was obviously a, a huge intellect and Otto um, Octavius, sorry, yeah, was name. was the father figure in that in yeah. that sense. Like he was somebody who could take him under his wing intellectually. Yeah, but do you think that was intentional by Sam Raimi? He wanted to keep it a running team, or do you think it's just repetitive? Oh no, I, well actually, I think he did it well enough because I think one thing is somebody who who shapes you. Yeah, and then I think it's somebody who lifts you up. And Ben Parker shaped him, and and uh, the Doc Ock could actually lift him up when he was talking to him. He, he was so gentle yeah. and he was like how do you know that it will stabilise and it will be okay and he said Peter what have you been talking about for the last hour yeah. he, he was like he, he looked like I felt like Peter Parker wanted to be him yeah. he, just, he was just and a man Doc who had Ock it all to be inside of Peter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looked like he wanted to be inside of him a little bit some squid part <laughs> some calamari <laughs> but, um, the, but I thought the relationship between them was quite sweet and again I thought he got him in a room with Peter in a, a red, in an organic fashion based yeah. on the first film you had Peter who's A a photographer and B a scientist and then you had um, Harry who was you know the head of a huge tech company Yeah. so that that oh, is just cool. oh yeah like if you're the writer if you're sitting down to actually write that you're going wow this yeah, David Coep is the writer actually we forgot to mention him last time in respect to him and uh, I, I um, I'm just thinking wow I I, I could get this guy in a room with Doc Ock like story wise very yeah. easily and it's thanks no it's thanks to the work he had done earlier but yeah. he just at this point he had created an organic enough world to just boom yeah, Peter Parker Sam Raimi does room. that really well doesn't he like he, he kind of links the different part of Peter's life together very like simplistically but I, but I like as I was saying I like to kind of say there's like a complexity to his simple to the simplicity like you know what I mean he met but, a Sorry to, no, sorry no, no, to interject. No, no, no. He met a Peter Parker film and he met a Spider-Man film. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to jump ahead. Yeah. But like, I, I honestly, time, sometimes it just felt like a Peter Parker film. Yeah, kind of akin to Iron Man 3. Yeah, absolutely. Iron Man 3 is yeah. a brilliant example. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like the actual I'm being. I'm so disappointed with Iron Man 3. Not that it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. No, so was I. But yeah, I, I see what they're wrong. <laughs> but at the same time, like, we got a, a sense of who Peter Parker was. Yeah. And Spider-Man... Actually, if anything, I think it was more of a Peter Parker film. Yeah. And it just and it had so many huge scenes that it was still an awesome Spider-Man film. Do you think that was... I don't want to jump, but I think I have to mention it. Do you think that was... Maybe there's less action sequences because of Tobey Maguire's injury? 
that he got in Seabiscuit in between the two films? Because obviously they're using stuntmen. Yeah. But do you think he's in the suit a little less because of the injury, or do you think that's just an narrative choice? I am going to take a stab in the dark at this, um, and I actually think it was an narrative choice because the amount of special effects yeah. in this film... It's 200 million film. 200 million dollar film. And he was... And just the way that the way it was at the times, these days they're, a, they're able to blend it better. It's just, it's just, just, it's advanced. But yeah. at the time there was scenes with Doc Ock and like the, the, some of the huge fights and it's not Tobey Maguire. I like Tobey Maguire sat that day out. Yeah, do you think he was in less action sequences because of the back or just was... I actually don't even think it was Andy got to do with the... I don't, well, maybe it's it so was. computerized. It's so computerized. There's, you know, if you if you go to the, to the trams, to the, sorry, the... Tram, I mean, the train, train scene, yeah. sorry, and he takes the two hostages, I think and he the, pulls them out, and they're just they're, they're literally like rag dolls. They're they're so CGI, yeah. and then he throws them, and Spider Man is catching them, and like so much of it is just Tommy McGuire standing on a train in actuality, and then it just he jumps and he gets knocked off, yeah. and he jumps back in, and it's pure CGI. And so, do you think now, like if not to jump ahead to the train sequence, but you bring up a kind of good point though, but do you think the, the the special effects made leaps and went on leaps and bounds from the first one? I think it looked aged pretty well in a lot I think of, it aged pretty well, but at the same time it made me think of one thing. Definitely improved a lot from the first improved one. Improved a lot in the first yeah. one. And I, and this isn't at all a criticism, it's just simply where something is. Yeah. If you look at Jason and the Argonauts and it has a fight fighting the skeletons, you realise it's pure stop motion. Yeah, it's kinda like it was bleeding out of the Titans back in the day. I think I might be clashing the I was trying yeah. to think of, but it was it was bleeding edge, and you have to just respect that and leave it alone. Yeah, it's not you know what I mean. You have to hold it. But I remember the second uh, Matrix. Yeah, and it was a and, and he fought all of the Agent Smiths, and then he decided to, and uh, as the as the guy the controller guy said, uh, he's doing his Superman thing, and he jumped up above the clouds and he did a spin, and it looked terrible to me. Yeah. But it, it was amazing at the time, you yeah. Know? Well, actually, to be honest with you, it was. I remember having the think thinking at the time. The sequence did lack in special yeah. effects. Though, I, yeah, I, I thought like the CGI looks CGI. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Spider Man Two, or do you mean Matrix? I meant the Matrix, but yeah. I thought that in Spider Man Two as well. I just thought like clearly, I can tell this is CGI, but it was the best I had seen at the time. Yeah, but I could tell that this this scene was CGI. This scene was yeah. CGI. I think like not to go down the Matrix route, but definitely the Matrix are is the perfect example of Moore's not always better. No, you're you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? His fight with uh, well, actually, yeah, again, I, I know yeah. we need to, to shuffle off yeah. the Matrix, no, no, it's but I, I do think it does a point. That'll be definitely another podcast there. It's another podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was a fight with, with Agent Smith in the subway. Yeah. The time was the first one. Poetry. Yeah. It was velvet. Yeah, it's so bullet time too. It's great. Exactly, and uh, even when they did the bullet time and dodge of bullets, they put a, a hundred cameras around, yeah. and they put them in a harness, and they just had Keanu Reeves drop in a certain yeah. way. It was beautiful, but like again, they started to rely so heavily on CGI, and again, I don't see how they could have done Spider Man yeah. fight fighting Doc Ock without it. Yeah, I think they did a brilliant it's job. Impossible to do animatronics with those arms or, or legs. Oh uh, yeah, you know it was it was it was it, actually to be honest with you, you name. The most ambitious superhero film I'd seen up to the time was Superman Two. Yeah, the based on Christopher Reeves Superman. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they With were Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, Zod. Yeah, and they were tearing up the city oh, and like, throwing them through a uh, Pepsi sign and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, that was so ambitious at the time. That I was thought. Henry Stamp played Zod in that one. I think Henry Stamp. I think he's, well done. I think that's his name. Um, I'm not too sure. But the ambition of the fight scene that 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 starts on the clock tower yeah. and ends up on a train was the most ambitious thing. And I, I I would say this as a fact. 
And if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Of course, I, I can't take the multitude of yeah. And, but in two thousand and four, that scene was the most ambitious superhero scene ever filmed. Yeah. By miles. So, so because like we, I don't want to hover too much at the start, but like. So the we now we've got the relationship set up with the main players because we I'll be talk a bit more about Mary Jane later because she she is like she is important to this film with on the Peter Parker side but I kind of want to focus a little bit on the Spider Man side of things at the minute because it's just a bit more fun um so when we kind of get the introduction of like speak we took our our Peter's relationship or Spider Man's relationship. And Peter's relationship with Doctor Otto Octavius and starts to blossom. We kind of see this, and quickly it goes from him being his potential next father figure slash mentor type thing to the unveiling of this technology that he was working on, and like literally he goes to this like where he has the containment. Um, so pretty much Peter's brought there by uh. Uh, Harry Osborne to do the to take pictures of the unveiling of this shit. I think it's what's it? What's the it's, you know, it's it? a self-sustaining power system. Yeah, like is that how you? Yeah, pretty much. It's like he wanted to create like a perpetual sun for the earth. Ex- like, essentially, like yeah. Like it was like supposed to be about a never-ending power source for the world, which is kind of a trope that's been per- used a lot. A perpetual, yeah, um, power yeah. system. Yeah. So that when. The, the originally sorry it was supposed, no, I think no, it was no, supposed no. to power new uh new york city yeah and then it would you know like it would have the potential it was kind of like what tony stark power. was working on at the start of avengers where he was working at stark towers and he's going to have that be sustainable the iron man suit is man. yeah um, it was a, it was what, what is it's not planade planadium is it was it um um in the iron man suit i don't think it's this i'm not sure what the material is called um, but like literally, this scene kind of goes downhill pretty quickly. So like he first, this is the first scene in the whole movie where Alfred Molina, Doctor Otto Octavius, dons the famous tentacles, the robotic arms that were pretty much given the moniker Doc Ock later Clamps on. Clamps into his spine. It'd yeah, very cool. <laughs> Did you not think he he looked like a guy that never worn them before? That <laughs> like, like the reaction on his face. I don't think he'd been through that before. Like, I think it's fairly safe to say he had as in there was like twenty four <laughs> spikes that were going to like cup the bottom of his spine. They were like nine inches long. He's going anyway. I'm, I'm glad you all came over. Yeah, <laughs> you see, like the look on his face when they're going in. He's yeah, like, just like mm, I don't this. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. <laughs> <Do> you, <laughs> So like when he puts on the tentacles and then he uh, talks about how they're this advanced artificial intelligence and and they're like they're like scorch proof and all burn like they're uh, resistant to all like heat and different sorts heat of and magnetism, heat and magnetism heat and magnetism that's what he says sorry yeah. so like when he says they're like they're uh, you know immune from being affected by heat and magnetism and like and he puts on the suit and then he want the one of the, the ladies there I think she's a reporter she says well if they're so smart what prevents you from being taken over like which is such an obvious like foreshadowing for later on God. and then he goes this little in- inhibitor chip I got here could he met a more fragile thing to protect him you just shot oh I was preparing jokes all day about this and you literally just shot yeah. all over it like you know what I mean? Like, do you think he could have met anything more fragile? Excellent choice. And, and then he points at this tiny little chip that's <laughs> encased in blue plastic, and uh, and uh, and he kind of goes like, you know, this chip here, and it's at the top of his spine, at the yeah. crease of his neck, where I think even looking up at the roof would break it. Yeah. 
Like, would he not have put men like into a, a headset? I want my only like, like a helmet. He, he made claws that could <coughs> literally tear a train. <laughs> yeah, like he throws the taxi cab later on them. Yeah, he throws a taxi cab, <laughs> and he, he could rip. Oh, actually, I think the best example we should have gone to first was when he rips a vault open, like a bank <laughs> vault, <laughs> off its hinges. Yeah. With no effort. No, don't jump because if you jump too far, because I want to take the, I want to really take that scene to task. Yeah, cause yeah, but, I but think he, that scene is terrible. But, but um, he, uh, but anyway, this is how much power and he's going. No, no, I've got this little chip here yeah. where if a kid, tro- like with a catapult, <laughs> hits a pebble at me, I'll end up going insane and destroying the world. <laughs> the worst kind of insane, like yeah, yeah like exactly. the worst kind of insane. Like super a, I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm a genius who knows how to make like an unstoppable bomb. <laughs> but don't worry. Plastic little thing, right? The crease of the Did back of my neck. Did you keep right out funding? No, as long as as long as nobody says like like what's that up there, and I, I don't look up. I think everything's. He's like, funny. oh no, we used all the metal on the tentacles, doctor. We can't encase this in anything. <laughs> he goes, not even nickel. He's going, no, doctor. You don't yeah. seem to understand. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> it's God. Yeah. <laughs> so like when the scene starts happening and he um gets this element from its uh, holder. Tra- oh God. Uh, it's it. it Teridium or something like that, something like yeah. that. But um, precious teridium. Is it teridium? Like that? Yeah, like that. Yeah, so yeah. um, he gets this from its container containment vault and twenty five pounds of it on the whole globe. Yeah, and he established that. And he takes like a, like it looks like a, like a gobstopper size kind of like uh, that's what the size of it is. Yeah. And he brings it out and he thanks Harry and all this. Again, a terribly unnatural, horrible, cheesy interaction between... Happy to pay the bills, Doc. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was an awful scene. Like, I really think James Frank was off in this movie. But, like, um, so he takes it out. And the containment field that he has for this, like, perpetual, like, miniature sun, pretty much. He compares it to the sun. And the containment field he has is ridiculously undersized. Like, ridiculously undersized. It's four bars. You know, it's like four bars, which is obviously not probably to the tentacles as well, actually, the design of it, hardly. Didn't think of it? Yeah, it's fair, fair yeah, no, probably fair totally point. wrong. But, like, do you know, do you not think that was a bit, like, this guy's supposed to be brilliant, or do you think it was a case where he ran out of funds paying for them arms, and, like, <laughs> everything was, like, the bottom fell out of this project with the, with the arms, like... <laughs> I, I, yeah, actually, like I actually thought one of the best things. I, I'll, I'll just go best and worst right now, just, just, just for <laughs> shits and giggles. And I thought one of the best things was the, the actual arms because it wasn't just like big, big giant. But if you looked at them, they had these little arms. Like, like they were, yeah, like they were able to take his hat off quite comfortably, yeah. remove a blindfold quite comfortably. All, and then they were able to, to, to like throw taxis, and yeah. brought, you know, rip blindfolds off. Um, I thought the arms were actually done really beautifully. Mm. It's one of my favourite aspects of it. I actually agree with you. Well. James Franco, who I'm actually, again, I don't want to shit on because mm. I just think he was, I think he was given bad direction. And I just don't like think he was right. It's like, like what we said about the first one. They were given, they did, yeah. they did what they could with what they were given. Like. like if you had a Michael Shannon type, just somebody who doesn't even need to have a line mm. to absolutely, completely change. He's just such a, like not even necessarily charismatic, but just such a heavy presence. Michael Shannon also played Zod. Yes, yeah, Michael Shannon Steel. played Zod extremely well. Yeah, he's a great um, actor. Boardwalk Empire. For but like, you know, he was, he was the he, but yeah, he he was badly casted. But I thought that the actual arms, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. And I thought, well, see, I what I quite liked is that Peter told him that he might be off on the science. Yeah. And he didn't listen, so he's hubris. Yeah. Caused everything to go to shit which is where we are in the film so like the, he begins his experiment which quickly gets out of hand like Peter's the first to notice that 
it's becoming magnetic. It's starting to have a gravitational pull. It, it's uh, like a pa paper clip or something. I think. Pulls in something small and then it slowly snowballs. It's like something bigger, something bigger. And then it's like jewellery and it's affecting the lights and stuff like this. And sorry, go on. The first thing was Peter Parker looks down at mm -hmm. his paperclip. I just said a that. Single paperclip. Sorry, <laughs> I missed it. I, I was trying to picture it in my head. Did you say it? Yeah, I just said Sorry, that. it was a single paperclip and then... The, I, I actually loved the, the build of the momentum in the scene I didn't love the scene overall mm. I thought they loved the build where suddenly uh, Very mostly women you know because they were wearing slight, like neck jewellery and stuff yeah. it just literally gets pulled off and it, and it was it was first like paperclip oh oh yeah. and then it was like jewellery and then you were like no 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 like yeah. now we're out of control I, I can't remember who plays his wife but I'll check that oh something oh, a beautiful woman um, did, something Murphy so you know, like an Irish song in them. Um, I, I, I. So we don't have dead air. You talk there for a second. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But do, like during that scene, I thought like it all starts to go awfully wrong, and again it ties into Donna his, Murphy. Donna Murphy. Oh, I'm proud of myself for remembering that. Um, she was in a Star Trek film, and I, I thought she was so beautiful. And in that scene, also we see as the lab tech is Daniel Day Kim. Any Hawaii Five O fans out there? He's a deadly actor. He's in Lost as well. So like the like that's one thing I love when I watch these movies back when you see actors early on in the career and have these like small. That you didn't know at the time. Yeah, exactly. Like Zoe Deschanel, like you mentioned earlier. Zoe Kale, Emily Deschanel. I got her name wrong twice in this podcast already. Yeah. So Zoe Deschanel was from the New Girl, I think, an elf. That's her sister, and she's Emily Deschanel. I'm sorry, I actually love Bones. I've seen every episode, and um, so, um, so in that scene, it quickly gets out of hand. It breaks its containment field and. Which is obviously going to happen, and this is where we see the birth of Doc Ock. This little fragile thing gets knocked off in the melee, and Spider Man, in the middle of it all, saves Harry. Right? Embarrasses Harry. Yeah, and this is where I think Harry is terrible, right? Yes, there was. Okay, that scene plays out where it all starts going to shit. Mm -hmm. Peter Parker needs the Spider Man up, he gets involved. It's so uh, obvious that's him, though. Yes, and then uh, Doc Ock, um, or. Uh, Starts saying, "No, it's fine. It's going to stabilize. It's just a spike." You're saying all this stuff again. Yeah. This hubris, like he, he's not a bad guy. His hubris literally ends up driving him insane. Like yeah. the AI uh, control. That's a manifestation of his hubris. A manifestation of his hubris again. But um, he's uh, and then his wife gets killed by the glass that's shattering in on top of her. Yeah. And then um, that's he the saves Harry, and he, Harry just goes, "This changes nothing." Yeah, like, he 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 never grows as a character. Never mm. ever. Grows as a until the third one. Until the third one, but then it was even then it was rushed. Yeah, but we'll get to that. But oh. um, he he um, but uh, sorry, but the, 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 then Doc Ock turns around. His wife has been murdered. He, How do you think they handle that scene? The wife dying. I actually think that well, the wife. Look, there's a few moments in that mm. film where they really use the modern what we see a lot of now, but I didn't see a lot of it at the time. And that's like, uh, for example, she gets killed from the perspective of the glass. Yeah, which is awful. And uh, did you not like that? I that actually, was so corny. Well, do you remember? And then later in the film, Peter Parker, the, the, the car is coming in behind him and he manages to. I thought they used a couple of things where they just shot it from such a strange Do you not think his spider sense is so hit and miss in these films? Hugely hit and miss. Yeah, like ridiculous. It like. literally doesn't show up sometimes. Yeah, like. The first time he takes a hit from Doc Ock was yeah. before he turned into Doc Ock, was before the chip. He, uh, he goes, no, because he's trying to stop him from shutting it down. And he just gets bitch-slapped yeah, by one of those. Like, do you not think, like, even if, to jump back a little bit to part one, even the part where he gets injured by Harry Osborne and then they sit down together for Thanksgiving dinner and um, 
like uh, that he if the spider sense is supposed to be his most basic instinct like most basic instinct that it should have picked up that Harry was the Green, Green Goblin his instinct well apart you know what I, mean? I, I read like he's subconscious I, I read a comic where um, sorry it's one I think it was just after the Civil War era of 07 and uh, it was uh, Spider-Man versus Iron Man in a not obviously not a death match but their opposed size yeah. match I actually think it was the first time in the comics that Spider-Man went organic with his webbing mm. but anyway um, uh, but um, he said but it turns out Iron Man had replicated the spider sense and yeah. he said it's purely based on pheromones and stuff like that he can literally like A. sense the air around him yeah and B sense intent yeah. from living living objects. So one hundred percent, like if you were to be true as true to the comics, the intent and the ferocity yeah. and everything of a person, like even just us as literally everyday guys, you can tell when someone's in a mood. Yeah. But you literally would just have to take. Or that you can tell if something's a bit off about someone. Or even you could smell something. And go something smells off, and then you yeah. can imagine a dog. Yeah. Just been able to pick that up a hundred times more. That's all it is. It's literally just a sense that you have yeah. heightened to a superhero See? level. It's like Spider Man's strength versus your strength. You have strength, but he has it on a level. Like, I, so you off. think he should have used the spider sense more as a plot device? No, I, I think I think the actual the actual using that how they used it was hit and miss. Yeah. It either works or it doesn't. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it could work and you don't get out of the way in time. Yeah. Or it could work and you make the wrong decision. But he, sometimes it just seems like he didn't have it. Do you think he made that made sense at all? Or no, no, I, 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 no I, I think like Spider-Man needed to take damage. Yeah. But on the other hand though, like sometimes you meet a bad person and you don't know they're a bad person. Well, no, that that's it. Actually, yeah, that, that, you know what? Yeah. That's actually a fair counter. You know what I mean? Like, you like know even, though, even though you think like you're a good judge of character mm. or whatever you have. Yeah, no, that's actually a fair point. I give you that. I yeah, everyone gets swindled every now and again. Everyone gets swindled yeah. every now and again. And, of course, even Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, now that like we've kind of seen the introduction of Doc Ock and, like, the... Sorry. Surgery scene. We can't jump oh, the surgery yeah, scene. Yeah, so, like, after everything goes to shit in the laboratory and... Uh, laboratory, sorry. I've realised I spelled that word wrong all the time the other day when I was reviewing something. But, like... Um, so when he the laboratory goes crazy and the wife dies, uh, Peter saves Harry, or sorry, Spider-Man saves Harry, and then he shuts down the the machine and the thing kind of implodes. It kind of like like a like a like a star does when it becomes supernova. It, it collapses in on itself. It collapses in on itself. Yeah. So after that scene, we got an amazing scene. So the next scene really up after that. After no, this is the 10 out of 10 scene. Yeah, before we jump to that, I just want to say one thing. Right at the end of that scene, Harry goes, I'm ruined. I've got nothing left but Spider-Man. Or something yeah. I hate for Spider-Man. And then I've got a, a, a nameless minion who works for him goes, yeah. Sir, he saved your life. He embarrassed me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so, awful. No, yeah, no. Sir, terrible. the media will be here soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, it's it so one-dimensional. Like, you know what I mean? But James Franco was, was just... Like pantomime levels delivering his line. So and and I've gone to bat for him and I said I'd go to bat. Well, sorry, I said I wouldn't piss all over. Yeah. But he was pantomime delivering. Yeah, he was awful in, in this film. So like after after that terrible scene, we actually get a lovely little uh, kind of cure all. So like in the next scene is absolutely amazing. So like when Doc Doc Ock is incapacitated from the events that occurred in the laboratory, and he's in the surgical um, room, the surgical theater, operating theater, whatever you want to call it. 
And his legs or his tentacles are suspended above in these kind of like meat hook looking things. Kind like, of I think the, the exact same brace is that they would put your legs or arms in if it needs to be elevated. Yeah, exactly. A slightly exaggerated version yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and the doctor makes a funny uh, line where he goes, anybody take shop class? <laughs> Do you remember that? And he takes out the chainsaw. I've forgotten it. I yeah. think it was my brain protecting yeah. itself. Or I think he takes out a chainsaw or a circle. No, it's, it's, it's a literal chainsaw. Yeah. He, he uses it. Which makes no sense to me because you don't cut your metal with it chainsaw like I, i'm pretty sure you don't um you use something else unless it's a diamond tip chainsaw because my brother told me one time diamond tip chainsaws cut you nearly anything but in this scene the way it unfolds your brother's a genius for knowing that uh, diamond tip chainsaw can cut things yeah i'm pretty sure <laughs> that's scary well that's who i got the information from so i had to give him his props um so um like literally uh in this scene it's the kind of the closest i said this to you the other day when i was texting you on whatsapp that it's kind of like the closest to horror in the horror scene in the whole franchise in the whole trilogy because they um so let, let, let's just let's just get to it and that is when uh they try to remove the the tentacles yeah. from the spine like from the spinal column that the tentacles went into survival mode yeah and the chip that stopped the ai from mis mixing with his own personality had got gone haywire that barrier was gone yeah so now we have doc ock being born he's no home. longer inhibited exactly not inhibited. and i think we need to point that out but at the same time that the, what i loved was that the and this was the horror aspect we spoke mm -hmm. of is that the, the, the claws amongst their technology have they're like his eyes yeah he can literally see mm. and he's blindfolded and, and you can he just literally reaches out grabs someone by the face yeah like breaks their because neck. they become intertwined with his exactly. entire brain and in a way I thought what was wonderful 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 about the film and, I, and it's one of my favourite things and it was only upon my I, I watched it one and a half times I watched it and then I, I, I jumped through scenes yeah. that I really wanted to rewatch but um, it, was, it was almost like he's spider sense in the sense that he can see what's going on around him yeah and he, he's uh, and they're <coughs> distinctive as in if you uppercut him with spider strength and he flies 20 feet he'll land on these four tentacles yeah. and he'll balance himself they're, again. they're totally autonomous to totally him. autonomous yeah and he can see through them and feel through yeah. them like you know he can he can remove blindfolds take off caps like you said they're, in that be, scene he butchers everyone in the room it's very folded with his face it's very um it's very dark compared to the rest of the movie it's hugely dark look mm. he kills four people in one little room in a short segment of time and he kills them horribly. And compared to the rest of the film, like compared to the, like the previous film where um, he didn't even try and kill the Green Goblin. Yeah. He didn't. Uh, Uncle Ben gets shot and dies and it's awful. Yeah. And that's like the heaviest and part. And he doesn't show that. Yeah. And it's the heaviest part of the whole film. This film just randomly had this scene in the middle where everyone in the room gets like really butchered. butchered. Yeah. And like one guy is using again a surgical chainsaw because that's apparently a thing. Uh, <laughs> I want those chainsaws. The little one-handed yeah. chainsaw is amazing looking. I want that. I so just love like we need to treat the body with respect. Get me a surgical chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like in it's that very silver. It's <laughs> very respectful. <laughs> I love that chainsaw though. But um, like literally that whole scene, he bu he butchers the surgical team that's trying to remove his uh, tentacles, and now we really see. Doc Ock, like you know what I mean. Or Doc like, Ock is born. Yeah, Doc Ock is born. It was I am now failing, and that's not to say yeah. it's not there, but I'm failing to think of the birth of a, of of an antihero or a villain, and he's kind that's of that's better than that. Like, that's better than that. Yeah, it's I'm beautiful. failing uh, off the top of my head. I'm failing at the very It shows that the total juxtaposition from his character earlier on in the movie, where he was just kind of sweet man, even though he had you mentioned he was kind of like a slave to his own hubris, but like. 
he was a very like kind man. He loved his wife and all this. And he was very gentle in how he dealt with Peter, and he is seeing him as a very like minded, like a kindred kindred spirit. But like when he becomes Doc Ock, he goes to the total other end of the spectrum. He becomes an outright villain, super villain. And in the next sequence, uh, a taxi cab drives up at him or something, and he he grabs it and throws it through the air. And once again, it's yeah. instinctual. It's hey, the actually, if I think he, I, if you remember the scene correctly, is yeah. that he braces himself for impact. Yeah, but that the, the oh yeah, he yes. kind of like, like a human kill, being like would his, uh, his wife. Yeah, yeah, and he uppercuts with the two lower. Ten- he absolutely lifts it, lifts the the taxi and destroys it. Yeah. and then you realize that yeah, he's not. He's a slave down to the tech. Yeah, goes. yeah. The tech is the tech is keeping him going. He's keeping the tech going, and in a weird way, it's almost got that venom symbiosis. Yeah, and even though it's very technological versus human as opposed yeah. to alien versus human, but um. It, I thought his birth was beautiful. Yeah. I thought it, you can have a One go. One of the best scenes in the whole trilogy. You can have a go at this film, and that's fine because you're entitled to your opinion. Yeah. But where I will go to bat. Yeah. Where I will say no, yeah. and I can't let uh, you know. I need to counteract yeah. it there. I you say James Franco, fine. I, yeah. I, I, I actually felt sorry for him. You could easily the way the make that film was. without James Franco. You could make that film without James Franco. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go to bat for James Franco, but I wouldn't. But shit Alfred Molina as Doctor Octavius, one of the greatest pieces of casting as well. Oh my god! This Here's is where the real strength kind of comes from the Sam Raimi movies: the casting and the villains. Because Toby Maguire, Toby Maguire wasn't the, the the like. If you look at Chris Evans and uh, sorry, who's Thor? Uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth, like really, really jacked, good looking dude, like yeah. jock looking dudes. And actually, they're both great actors. They're both great in the roles. I'm not in any way shape. Sh- sh- I can't picture anyone else as them. I respect the men. But, yeah. but the, the, Tommy Maguire kind of had this like nerdy kind of approachableness. Yeah, the voice guy. Uh, yeah, and this guy was just genuinely a genius. Mm. That's it. Like he didn't need to be good looking or jacked or anything like that. He was just a genius who created this technology that so, backfired on him. So we're going to look at literally that you could have said that and described Green Goblin. Absolutely. Well, I'm yeah. just thinking about it. Like, do you not think like? Obviously, there is this team that like Sam Raimi is trying to produce, but like there is parts when I looked at them, like when I wanted, you know, we're looking at them at the minute because we want to kind of get underneath and look at them in a different way. So when I looked at, I thought like there's a lot of elements from part two that's very repetitive to part one. His relationship with the two antagonists and the whole thing you just described was Doctor Octavius, but like it's also very very like true to Green Goblin. He's just brilliant genius who was com- com- like conflicted he be he was a victim to his own technology you know what i mean so like my god actually you know mm-hmm. what it's not that i didn't realize the, there was some overlap when you hear somebody kind of say it all out loud yeah as soon as it's a fair that, if you want to use it as a criticism it's a fair criticism it is though isn't it it's is a fair criticism I just t- I did, literally as you said it i thought of it there now that like you could have been describing the green goblin easily of course, why not? You know what well, I mean. Why not? Like, I, I, I believe so much in this project that, and I need, I need it. I need to roll it out so fast. Yeah. Like the Green Goblin met himself, the focus of the experiment. Yeah. And Doc Ock, well, he was the only one with the intellect, so yeah. he had to make himself the, the, the center. So fair enough. There's parallels and differences, but more parallels than yeah, differences. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I don't fair need... enough. Like the power set, but so yeah. what? Like that's. I don't want to jump too far back, but I just don't want to be that he wears welding goggles for like. He's like a few feet away from the sun. I love that. He's wearing grinding <laughs> goggles. Yeah. He's kind of gone now. This this thing is able to create enough power yeah. to power New York City indefinitely yeah. for all time. And he just so I'm going to throw on my goggles. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, thought, I just thought, remember that. That's really kind of silly. But like, Do you remember the fourth Blackadder? And yeah. There was a really great scene where they're going to go up over the wall and face the cannon fire and the machine guns of the German army. Mm. And uh, 
he hands uh, Hugh Laurie, who, who, if anyone's listened to this, would be who played House. Yeah. Um, he hands him his trudging, just his little baton, like. Yeah. And he goes, "Thank you, sir." I wouldn't want to be facing the machine guns without this. Yeah. <laughs> and I always thought that, that that's what you just made me think of. So, like, there's definitely, like, as we were kind of taking it apart, we were, were seeing a lot of these repetitions and cheesy aspects and kind of, it's good. I love the word corny. It's a real American word, but I love it. That's no, right. I've though. adopted I love that word corny, but, like, uh, it is kind of corny in parts. But, like, so, um, now we're seeing the birth of Doc Ock, and, like, in movies, Can I just say, before course, we find that establishment was perfection. Mm. Uh, we we have we we have when we can and it's our right to criticize this film. But I also think that sometimes people have a tendency to glaze over when it's so right to get to the next criticism. Yeah. The Bert of Doc Ock is perfect. perfection. So after the Bert of Doc Ock, right, we're kind of landing into the Daily Bugle, where we see J. Jonah Jameson and his kind of like his right hand man, that's played by Ted Raimi, who's Sam Raimi's brother, the director. So. And this is where we get the actual name of Doc Ock, and mm-hmm. it's a very funny sequence. But there's like a little interesting thing I mentioned to you earlier, but like he goes, so he goes to him, oh, what do we call him? You know, give him his name, and he goes, Doctor Octopus, and he's like, nah, it's too. too. And he goes something like this. What's he called? The Sinister Squid or something next or so? Sinister Squid. So do you think we're actually taking out? No, could be a little kind of a nod to the Sinister Six. Or something like that. Yeah, sorry, I'm yeah, probably yeah. like totally misquoting it. No, like, actually, I think it's you know, like, squid, isn't it? You call nothing's it? nothing in films is ever on not on purpose. Yeah, like, nothing, like, nothing. Especially when you have uh, a writer that's pretty good. Like exactly. Well, I even know. said to Sheila, like, you know, mm. Sheila, my girlfriend, always said, you know, the stuff in films, I'm kind of good at. Yeah. And I said, yeah, he didn't put down that envelope instead of opening it up. Everything. Yeah. Everything's on purpose. Yeah, exactly. So if you see something that Come looks very innocuous, story. nothing's innocuous. Yeah. So in that scene, so we're talking about like how they kind of like to hide things, but everything's there for a reason um, there's a cool little like link right and i'm going to jump into the mcu for a split second because sam raimi is actually like going to be the helmer he's going to be the director of the next doctor strange movie doctor strange in the multiverse of madness and in this scene when he's throwing out names for doc ock he actually mentions doctor strange and he goes oh it's taken you know what i mean he said good that's good but it's taken yeah and i was saying this to you. I I I I I watched this, and uh, I just for some I was watching it. I was listening to it. Mm. And for some reason, it just didn't click with me. He was just throwing names, and I I, I was trying to like because I want to critique this for what I'm doing right now. And I was just like, yeah. "That's Sam Raimi's brother. This is J. Jonah Jameson." Yeah. And the only thing I took from that scene was when he finally says, "You know what, Doc Ock?" Even though it was the first suggestion yeah. by Toby <laughs> Raimi, he goes, no, "Doc Ted, Ock, I did it." Ted Raimi. Ted Raimi, sorry. Yeah, no. uh, where he goes, I did it. You know, like that, that typical <laughs> boss thing where he yeah. kind of gone like, no, I came up with it. Do you remember he goes, sir, it's incredible. And he goes, Why, what's wrong with you? Do you want to raise? <laughs> <laughs> so like, so like, yeah, I, I kind of love that little, like, even it's like, what, 2004, so 16 years ago. Um, It's cool. It like happenstance that the, the director of the sequel to Doctor Strange actually mentions Doctor Strange in, and I don't know if that's his choice or David Coep's choice, but I thought it was a cool little, little Easter egg that Doctor Strange might actually exist in this Spider-Man universe. So like, next up, so that's Doc uh, Doc Ock named, and like I, I keep thinking like I keep thinking in my mind about Spider-Man Three because I only watched it the other day. But like um, so he moves through, and like this scene, what 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 follows the next scene after this? So what's there's the Daily Bugle. And what comes up? It, I think it's like a flash of the newspaper. Yeah. And it just says Doc Ock, you know. Like. Oh yeah, and like, do you, isn't there a part now? 
uh, I can't remember exactly when it happens, but there's a part where they, they change scene and do this like weird wave effect. Uh, oh, wait a minute, I, I meant to bring, oh, thank you for saying yeah, that. It was a that? proper, and it was going back to Doc Ock's lair, and it was a bubble effect. Yeah, why? <laughs> and I, I remember just thinking, that was so unnecessary. <laughs> And I think, and I remember going back because, like, I mean, like a star wipe. I have a decent. I, God, God knows there's people out there who could just, just literally leave me in the dirt. Yeah. But I have a decent comic book knowledge. Yeah. I read so many. I, I just do. And I remember just thinking, like, is that, is that a thing? Am I, am I missing it? Because I watched it. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to watch it with a critique instead of just being a young kid, yeah. sixteen years ago, watching it. Yeah. Uh, and I just kind of gone. That was. That was weird, right? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> That's all I could come up yeah, with was like, that was weird. Yeah, because well, I watched it like uh, uh, twice for this, like, and uh, the second time, I, really, I was like, I turned around to Lorraine and my missus, and I was like, why? <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> the, 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 they actually switched scenes <coughs> in this film a couple of times using mm. Daily Bugle front pages. Mm. And I actually thought that, that was a Again, I appreciate that they didn't overuse it. Yeah. Because it was like Spider-Man being back yeah. was a Daily Bugle thing. Yeah. And Doc Ock being named was a Daily Bugle thing. And um, and I thought that's great for transition. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Because it's like a newspaper in the city front page. And it's a newspaper that our our Spider-Man actually works at. Yeah. So I just thought it was brilliant. So I get that they didn't overuse it because that would have cheapened it. Yeah. It's just it's a cool it's bubble effect yeah, it's I, just, I thought that was completely unnecessary and I do like what you brought up there the way they use kind of little time jumps about how to encapsulate the mood of the city through the Daily Bugle headlines yeah. but like you, you touched on something there this is the one where Spider-Man uh, like is Spider-Man no more that's the line isn't it yes I'm Spider-Man no more I'm pretty sure that's a really famous line from the comic books I know I'm going to get nerd railed online from this I'm oh, sorry I, hope you I mean I'm people so, watched yeah, yeah. but like people listened yeah so like this is something that's um, like this is where Peter, kind of as you mentioned earlier, it's nearly the Peter Parker movie. I feel like you're going into the the two. Yeah, uh, we we need to talk about the first fight because that leads us to how the confidence yeah. actually leads to him losing his abilities. Uh, because that wasn't it, the Spider Man no more. Yeah, so it was we'll, one, we'll, again. We'll, we'll hold off on Spider Man no more for a second, and then we're going to talk about. A ridiculously cheesy scene so we have the bubble effect this weird wave effect which is never used again in the movie and then we have Doc Ock and he's like talking to his uh, this is the first time he realises that the tentacles have now become sentient that yeah. they're actually controlling his actions and they're actually in, in, like not they're maybe not totally controlling his actions but they're definitely influencing him and, Massively, like, in fact. and he goes maybe we should rebuild and this is where he becomes setting his goal to retry his experiment again on a bigger um, scale. On a bigger scale, exactly. So he goes, then <laughs> we, we're going to need money. And this is where it cuts to a scene where it cuts from that scene where he's in his laboratory and it cuts to a bank scene where, as you mentioned earlier, Joel McHale <laughs> plays the bank teller who's actually in Community. Um, what's his character's name, Community again? Jeff. Jeff in Community. And... Um, in this scene, it's kind of heartbreaking a little bit too because Aunt May is trying to, I think she's trying to remortgage her home or she's trying to do something. Open an account, but she isn't. Yeah, I think she's trying to use the new account, she, her Super Saver account, uh, her Super Saver account, sorry. She's trying to re open up the home, um, a new account in this bank so she can remortgage her home, I think, or get a loan out to help her pay her bills or something. And in that sequence, what really, really annoyed me, like, why didn't you give her the toaster? 
give her the fucking toaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just give her the fucking toaster. So she's like, at least I get the toaster. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You need $300 deposit to get that toaster. What a dickhead. Just give her the toaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and this is where the lack of spider sense flares up again. Why did he, this is I, I, this is a cool scene, but it's also really, really cheesy. And I don't, like, there's actually a lot of bad, a lot of wrong with it. Like, may, or maybe it is the beginning of him having problems with his powers, even before he knows it. Because he doesn't, he, until he hears the reaction to Doc Ock making an attempt to open up the vault, he doesn't react. And once again, he abandons uh, Aunt May and he runs off to be Spider-Man. And he's, he, I think Joe McHale says something like, hell of a nephew you got there. And she goes like, Peter, don't, don't abandon me. Or don't leave, no, don't leave me. And... Like once again, his spider sense doesn't work. Do you think that was like a poor narrative choice, or do you think it is actually the beginning of him losing his powers? The the whole spider sense thing is again. So again, I, I, I tried to explain it a little bit because I remember Spy, uh, Iron Man explains it's very yeah. based. Um, and I guess that it can't be like it's not um precognition. Yeah. Like it's not full blown precognition. Yeah. Where you live in six seconds to seven seconds in the future. Yeah. And can just literally react to something with your amazing reflexes and abilities yeah. in time. So in, in in that small sense, I get the hit and miss of it. But no, I I think they just they didn't play with it perfectly. Yeah. They didn't. Didn't, know how to, didn't understand it or just didn't know how to use it? Didn't know how to use it. To be honest with you, Bit sometimes I just feel like they don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's very hard to find. Like, Superman has super strength. Yeah. There's, It's not complicated. Actually, I'll go to the Hulk because the Hulk's the best example. Yeah. Hulk's thing is angrier, stronger. And he's a rip-off of Heckle and Jai. Or Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Jai. Yeah, yeah. and Jai. Yeah. I love that, yeah. <laughs> But he, but like essentially, that's you know. So it's it's easy. Of course, it is because like flight, cyclops, yeah, all that. It's easy to explain because it's one thing. But his thing is that he kind of like you know he kind of just like gets things. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to explain. Yeah. So, so I I do get that it's um, I do get it that it's yeah. hard to explain. But at the same time, it was never really defined. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that they're allowed to be a bit hit and miss in it. But I think we as fans, and not just fans of like Philip. But fans of comics and just fans of superheroes in general, because it's three things. Yeah. It, um, is that we get to ask like, well, what are what is the deal with that? Yeah. Like we know he sticks to walls, we know he can shoot webs, yeah. and we don't need to question it. So what is it? It's a bit it's, more ambiguous. It's a bit more ambiguous. You know what? It's yeah. completely ambiguous. And I yeah. think that's the word I was probably I didn't realize I was searching for. Yeah. Ambiguous, completely ambiguous. That's why I used to write for a living. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I did this review thing, but um, so like literally uh. So in this scene, right, it's it's cool to the eye. It's it's to me, it's kind of like nearly the definition of action eye candy. It looks beautiful, but it has very little substance in a lot of ways. You're absolutely like, right. Like it's totally ridiculous to think that of all the people in that bank, the first person he was going to grab after he grabs his ridiculous cartoonish money bags is Ame. Like, well, don't forget that. Like, yeah. Well, don't don't forget that Peter Parker just happens to almost get run over by bank robbers. In yeah. the opening scene, and don't forget that, like, again, spoiler alert, but like, don't forget, he just happens to be sitting in a cafe when he gets attacked, but she decides to take Mary to Mary. Yeah, you know what I mean? Though, like, it's very, like, there actually is very, when you look back at it, when I was growing up, I thought Spider Man 2 for a long time was the pinnacle of pinnacle. movies. But when you look back, the story's really cheesy and corny at times, like, moments, really, yeah, really yeah, poor yeah. times, like, 
But you're, you're looking back from a spoiled perspective. Yeah, but from MCU and stuff like yeah. that. And stuff. Well, but you just are. You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a, you're, a, you're a lot older. Yeah. You know, you're literally going from when you yeah. couldn't legally buy a pint to, to just being a man and, and just having like Endgame and, yeah. and all these huge projects and played out. Yeah. So I do think you kind of have to put your brain through a bit of a filter. Yeah. To realise, because when I watched that, when I left the cinema after that film, I went, that's it. That's yeah. the best superhero film I've ever made. Was X-Men 2 before that? Or after it. Oh God. Oh wow, that's a good question. X Men Two just... was better. But yeah, I think it might have been mm. just before and I actually agree that X Men Two was better. I've literally had to correct myself in real time. Yeah. I'll own it. Yeah. I'll own it. I'm not sure X Men X Men Two is a better movie though. No, X Men Two is a better movie. Yeah. I, I suspect X Men I think X Men was two thousand. Mm. So I think X Men Two was about two thousand two at the so late two thousand three. At the very least late uh, at the very least they were contemporaries. Yeah, yeah. No, but I I actually would have to correct myself mm. there. I really would. But sorry, I I thought on on, on, on uh evidence of scale. Yeah. The actual fights between Doc Ock and Spider Man were like nothing we'd seen before. Yeah. The, the the tempo was was great, and the scale of it and the ambition of it yeah. was absolutely like that's two hundred million was spent on the movie. And that, that first fight, I always thought I thought it was really cool when I seen it, but it was so small. It was literally uh, somebody your mate in school giving you a dead arm mm. versus you having a knife fight, you know, yeah, like, like in a in a dark alley for your life. Like, so he grabs at me and he absconds with her outside the bank with his money bags. Um, with like S's on them. Yeah, like you know what I mean. They're yeah. ridiculously cartoonish. The money bags, like the brown burlap, uh, burlap sack that we've seen in all of these like cheesy cartoons from the seventies, eighties, nineties, growing up. And he he takes her out of the bank and upside the building, and then Spider Man shows up, and then a chase ensues. Which is actually a great action. Spider-Man showed up inside. Oh, did he show up inside the bank? Sorry. He ended up getting Sorry. hit with a bag of coins. Oh, he throws the bag of coins. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, he uh, he takes her up the side of the building, which mm -hmm. is a very ambitious action sequence, especially for the technology had at the time. But like, oh, CGI hugely. was really, really improving. Like, two years onwards, the leaps and bounds was making. It was crazy. But, like, it, like, that whole scene, the way it plays out, I loved it at the time. And it's really cool. And... It might be a case of, of again, bigger is and always better. Like, it's a cool scene up to say. But the whole point, what takes away from the whole scene for me is the fact that it's Aunt May that he took. Because the chances of him stealing the one person in that bank that actually had an emotional attachment to Peter and vice versa, Peter to them, was a bit stupid, I thought. Like, you know what I mean? It was the a bit point, silly. the reason, well, I, I, one part of me wants to say there's this thing called suspending your disbelief. Mm. And the other part of me wants to say it, like, the fact of the matter is it's silly because he could have taken anyone yeah. and he'd still have to be Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. He'd like, still actually have to save Yeah, him. and like the, and way, the way that, sorry for Chris, but the way that play, scene plays out, they're making their way up along the wall and stuff. Like, what did you make of that action sequence in its totality? Like, take I, I, I remember watching that as, as a, a much younger man and, and thinking, well, I, I, didn't, I thought it was actually really cool that Spider-Man's power set mm. and Doc Ock's really correlated well yeah like doc ock could get around like yeah. i know he couldn't fly like the green goblin but yeah. he could but he's his, his power set was oddly more similar to spider-man's yeah. in a strange way and that's he probably, was very strong he was very probably, agile it's probably why they create that character in the exactly first place, yeah the a appendages exactly you know, and he was able to climb up buildings and he was able to like you know break things up and throw them and he was able to do all these amazing things and, and as a power set like you think like Superman fights Zod or, or, or the Hulk fights the Abomination. Yeah. And I thought Doc Ock turned out to be a very cool match for physical confrontation with Spider-Man. Because they need to have, as you said, like a similar power set for them to kind of like the action sequences to work. Yeah. You know, that kind of way. Like, so like as the 
Um, so, like, as the scene plays out, then, like, were you happy? Like, I know you say this suspend your disbelief, but like, when you have to take into account that they have to make these crazily, crazily outlandish, over the top things seem believable in the moment. That you thought, like, did you agree with me in thinking that the fact that Aunt May was there took away from the entire scene? Yes, I did. And I think the fact that Aunt May, an elderly woman, didn't have a massive fucking heart attack, been dragged fucking 18 stories of a building, I dropped was, I was thinking, twice. Yeah, I actually never said this to you, but I was thinking that exact thing the other day. Like, how is she not dying? Like, yeah. And then, like, at one point, she's actually, like, caught by a web and then using inertia and kinetic energy. She's yeah. shot back up the building. With the and, and then she uses her umbrella to latch onto, like, a gargoyle or something. <laughs> yeah. And then it turns out there was a platform and all this uh, kind of shit. But she was, like... She was cool. Yeah, it okay. Her surviving that scene, not dying of natural causes, is more unbelievable than a super it's, intelligent. It's more, movie. yeah, than the two guys tearing the city apart <laughs> yeah. with like, huge limbs and being able to stick to walls. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, like that's fucking ridiculous. And then you're just thinking, like, Peter Parker, he's thinking, should I let people into my world? And I was like, well, your aunt was kidnapped two seconds ago. Yeah. And the girl you're talking to now is just being kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Man. So, like, well, the way that scene plays out is like it is a bit silly because of May's involvement, but like it is cool looking. But it, I I do agree that it would have been a very small corner to cut to just not have it be at May. Mm. Exactly, she was unnecessary to make that because scene. Spider Man's a superhero. Exactly, he as you said, he's going to have to be Spider Man no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. He's not going to be like, oh, well, I'm not related to this person. Yeah, exactly. I don't have a personal um, connection to them. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to, like, Spider Man will absolutely. It's in Break his mandate. It's yeah, it's in his mandate, and we're going to get to something later in the film, and and and, and I guess the spoiler is that a hero is always a hero. Yeah, exactly. Like, a hero is always a hero. So, and he just is a hero. Uh, yeah. So I, I do I do think that Aunt May just felt a bit unnecessary, and then I'm just like, you have to understand that Doc Ock didn't know that Spider Man was Peter Parker. Yeah, exactly. He, like it would have meant way more sense if Spider Man. So you have to you live in a city of eight million people, and you happen to be in the building at the same time that Doc Ock shows up. Unlikely. Yeah. Exactly. And then inside of that, mm. you have to be, you have that person that you're related to kidnapped. Like, unlikely. And I know, I know we're talking about a superhero film. We're yeah. talking about a, a dude who's supposed to be like 20 who could lift a fucking truck over his yeah. head, jump 60 feet, shoot, like webbing yeah. from his, you know, I, I get it. But at the same time, sometimes you think that just you know, I, sometimes a film can really, really flow yeah. and you don't feel like it's feeding itself yeah. that it's organically gone I think The Winter Soldier is my favourite superhero film incredible the, movie I just thought it was die hard if, yeah. it was a, if it was a superhero movie I just thought it was brilliant it had a Nolan-esque appeal exactly mm. and uh, I just thought this film didn't have that on reviewing mm. at the time I was just like this is all so Cool. Yeah, it's like the man. There was no Thanos. There was no yeah. Iron Man. There was no compared to really except for the yeah. There was like things. New New York hadn't happened. And yeah. Everyone calls it the New York incident, the end of the first Avengers. Yeah, none of that had happened. This was it. This yeah. was pinnacle. So like, even though that scene was a bit like over the top, like with her involvement, it, it as I mentioned earlier, it was action eye candy. It looked spectacular, and there was some really cool action sequences of them battling up along the building, and then like. Do do we want to talk a bit more about how Spider Man loses his powers soon after this? I think it's I think it needs to be a dra- I think we actually touched on it earlier. Yeah, we could talk about organic fluid, but um, yeah, I I think it was, I think it was one of my favorite things. Mm. I think the fact of the matter is like we're looking at a guy who's uh, earlier in the film he's swinging between buildings and he's getting shot at by by like machine guns, 
and stuff like that. But he's instinctively, amazingly, yeah. just jumping between it. He's able to do all of these incredible things. And you're thinking, no, you might as well be fighting God. You, you yeah. can't touch this guy. And then you realise there's something like... It's lacking threat. Yeah, lack, lack of threat is just ridiculous. Mm. Sometimes lack of threat works in superhero films because you're trying to establish. But it creates a disconnect. Exactly. It no creates a disconnect. And, but sometimes they create it with the bad guy too. Yeah. And then he does something absolutely bonkers and, and takes out a whole fleet of an army or it's something why like that. Batman was always more popular than Superman. Exactly. Yeah. And um, But I always thought that... that um, what point are we on? So, like, we're, we're in, in the movie now where Spider-Man's starting to lose his powers. His powers, yeah, sorry. So, like, no, so what happens is now he starts getting a kind of, like, a better handle on his personal life as Peter Parker. And as you said, it's more like a Peter Parker movie at times. He was so happy to give up Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. He fell in, he fell in this lane. Yeah. And he tries to climb up a wall and he makes it a, all of 15, 16 feet. Yeah. More, more than a mere mortal could make. Yeah. Uh, but then he falls. And then he just takes off and he was happy because he knew that he was in love with a woman. Yeah. Uh, and he was that he gave it up for her. That his best him. friend wanted to it, kill him and mm. he didn't even know it. You know, like he wanted to kill Spider-Man and he could just, now that the powers weren't his, mm. like I can't be Spider-Man if I'm not Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. So it was like the perfect excuse. I could actually walk away from it. I thought that was very clever story to so, so now we see like, um, did you, sorry, did you want to say something? Else? I just want to say, it's not like Superman's decided not to be Superman. It's yeah. not like, yeah, I'm invinci- I, I bullets bounce off me and I can fly at the speed of light. So, yeah. Well, actually in space, you can fly at the speed of light. Yeah. Superman's powers are weird. But, uh, but at the same time, I don't have them. Man, I can't do it. Yeah. If somebody pointed a gun at me and somebody said, please save me, I'd be like, dude, I, I can't. Like yeah. this, this is beyond me. This isn't something I can just literally fix. So like it, it, it was a, it was sorry it was a get out of jail free kind. Yeah, exactly. Like there so, you. so when you look at like this is the part where he starts like uh, leaving his uh, alter ego behind, like leaving Spider Man behind. He even abandons the suit. He chose an escape. Like quite literally. So like when you look at the next the next kind of sequences where he's improving at school he's showing up for Aunt May's thing and, or sorry not Aunt May's thing he's showing up for MJ's, M- MJ's uh, uh, she's on Broadway or she's something Broadway. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. like she's a successful actress now or succeeding she's not really like she's doing well she's, she's selling well. out the shows every night she's yeah, exactly. you know what an actor wants she's yeah, not like in she's doing Hollywood like, films yeah exactly like so she's on Broadway and so like his life his personal life is starting to improve but when he looks around you're starting to see New York is starting to disintegrate. It's starting to like give in to crime. Crime is on the rise, and like someone finds Spider-Man's suit. So and then, um, uh, J.K. Simmons, as in the role of J. Jonah Jameson, gets the suit. He buys it for a few hundred dollars, which is crazy. But like he's he's so stingy. But like he hangs the suit up like a trophy on his wall, and in that moment, he pretty much he put he's also puts the headline Spider-Man no more doesn't he so like yeah and that's again one of the transitions yeah and he almost used the 1960s Batman thing yeah. of the, the spinning yeah yeah the, you know the, 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 the spin the actual Daily Bugle yeah and then, the, and then you see the headline so like when the, he says Spider-Man no more and it becomes widely like recognised that Spider-Man has gone AWOL and New York sees a rise in crime 75% 75% rise in crime which is crazy that one person can have that much of an effect. But the, the, the takeaway from that is that New York is just full of scumbags. Yeah, like and the, the entire city must be terrible. It's just like, literally just 
third. Yeah, do you think the police force just stopped working? Like 75% yeah, yeah. right? It was just like Spider-Man's not here, finally. Yeah. I can start punching all of them. <laughs> yeah. So, like, like, so do you see an increase in, in crime and all this? And then, like, Spider-Man's personal life is actually doing very, very... Or, or sorry, Peter Parker's personal life is doing very well because he's abandoned his um, the mantle of Spider-Man. With the guilt... Yeah. This is the thing I, I don't think we can stress enough. Mm. You understand that in the first one, he he, he when he let the, 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 God, the man escape and he killed Uncle Ben, great power, great responsibility. That that was Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, but the second one, they found a way, and I thought it was clever writing, to actually take that away because they took away the great power. Yeah. Therefore, they took away the great responsibility. Yeah. And I thought that was clever. I thought like the fact of the matter is he, Spider-Man needs to be Spider-Man. But does he? He can only be Spider-Man if he is Spider-Man. So but they have the scene where he runs into the burning building, and I think we have to get to yeah, like so, like literally we see um no the burning building that's not what yeah well well Toby Maguire just runs into the burning building to save a child oh yeah so yeah I actually, thought that was like heroes will always be heroes yeah exactly so that's kind of the scene where he realizes that he's a hero Peter Parker's a hero as much as Spider Man exactly so like when we see that like. Slowly, he starts understanding. You mentioned to me earlier before we started recording that he has this interaction with Aunt May, doesn't he? Like, oh. or he, he, it's absolutely like heartbreaking because they go to the cemetery and I think it's the year anniversary or something of Ben, or maybe it's his birthday or something. And his grave doesn't have the day of his death or anything. Yeah, like that. exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, um, when he realizes now that he has to be more than Peter Parker, and you know what I mean, he has to forego the daily like not I don't want to say mundaneness but like the normality well, dude, of life. if you were like if you were Spider-Man anything short of that would become quite mundane you know what I mean though like, but like I mean like he has to give he's no longer he can't have the normal uh, like joys that we have like he goes to see um, MJ's performance doesn't he like he actually I want to jump back a little bit because he misses the first performance and Bruce Campbell again shows up because I want to keep mentioning Bruce Campbell because <laughs> Sorry, no, don't just kill something. <laughs> uh, um, but um, uh, uh, he he, what you call it? Uh, he 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 misses this because I want to kind of compare. He misses earlier on in the film. It shows that he's failing in life, and he misses one of the pre-arranged. Like he wanted to go see uh, Mary Jane on Broadway. He misses it. Bruce Campbell shows up again. It's absolutely hilarious, and he's lousy because he tells him to fix his tie. And and then he says like you know he gets him ready like he's gonna let him in and then he just let in because Bruce Campbell has like a re, he keeps reappearing and I I hope it's supposed to be the same character, but like later on he's like he's succeeding in his personal life but then he realizes when he sees that New York is slightly in disarray and Doc Ock is kind of like oh, is Doc Ock like Doc Ock's in the shadows at this stage isn't he kind of working on it and so like when he at the same time that he's starting to lose his powers, he. He wants to. He arranges a lunch, with Mary Jane, I think, and then, but Mary Jane, like after he goes to see the Broadway, he sees Mary Jane with her new beau or whatever, new boyfriend, um, J. Jonah Jameson's son. I think it's John. Astronaut. Yeah, uh, John Jameson, which um, he's actually in the comic books in the cartoons. He's very entertaining. He's the Venom. He is how Venom was mm. supposed to be introduced. My mm. God, more on that later. Yeah, like more on that next time because. The way they introduce Venom is shockingly disgraceful for such an important character, but like the way he he like so it's, uh, I I don't want to stumble on too much, but like he keeps seeing that his personal life is getting better, but he's starting to understand his importance. And then when you mention that scene, he runs in as Peter Parker, that he realizes he can be a hero, that he's always going to be a hero, that he not only needs to be a hero, but like to himself, but the, the city needs him to be a hero. You know what I mean? Like so. 
with this up, uptick in crime and uh, he, he needs now to take back on the mantle of Spider-Man because, you know, he's starting to see his overall importance to the city and to the cityscape and how it unfolds in the future and how he is so he's the linchpin in the middle of the city. Like, and when he kind of goes back to being Spider-Man and then he realises that he actually does have to leave this normality behind, that he this normal life is not for him. And he meets Mary Jane... And this scene, like, is a bit ridiculous. But like before this, I want to give a bit of a prelude. So Doc Ock realizes that he needs to get the the precious tritium. That's what I'm calling it. And if yeah. I'm messing it up, I'm sure we'll um, tore it apart. If we'll probably have this up on YouTube at some stage, so it'll be a comment section. So if we're wrong, let us know. So like, literally, he goes back for this precious element. We're gonna call it tritium. I'm pretty sure that's it. But we're probably wrong. But like, <laughs> total self doubt. <laughs> well, originally, Harry had. Funded, the yeah, project. exactly. He said it was twenty five pounds of it on the planet, yeah. so he'd like to thank Osborne Corp, yeah, for providing a soul. It, it was well established, yeah. So he goes in search of this precious element, and he meets Harry, and he goes into his like a uh, penthouse apartment, let's say, and he Harry makes an arrangement with him. You bring me Spider Man, and I will give you what you want, and this sets our antagonist and protagonist on a collision course for the rest of the movie and like so next up peter parker so when he attacks oh so he attacks peter parker sorry i'm stumbling here but he attacks peter parker because he knows peter parker takes the pictures of spider-man and it's the connection to yeah so yeah. he's the connection to spider-man so he attacks peter parker at the lunch with mary jane but he tried to kill him with a car he didn't know he yeah. spider like he tried to try he threw a car out yeah it's not like you know i need, <laughs> I need to talk to this guy yeah i just feel like that yeah that never done he actually just tried to kill him with a car so how would you have gotten any information yeah, from him yeah so what do you what do you think of that scene I well I, again when I was watching it with with a an older an older man yeah. with a more critical eye I was just like that just my God man you're able to tear buildings apart just walk in and say you yeah just take nerd yeah, <laughs> you know you could have easily just taken it yeah me. exactly so and he just throws it and he like the only reason he didn't kill Peter Parker yeah. is because unbeknownst to him Peter Parker is actually Spider Man <laughs> and he does it was a very cool shot thing where he gets the Spider Sense back. Uh, MJ wants to kiss him because of the un upside down kiss from the first film. Yeah. She knows he's Spider Man. Everyone does, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we'll touch more on we'll that. We'll touch later. more on that. Yeah. And uh, he jumps, he does this very matrixy, matrixy kind of thing. Yeah. And he dodges the car. But even with Spider Man powers, he dodges by the absolute skin of his teeth. Yeah. And uh, your man just shows up and goes, I want to dodge Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're lucky there's anyone here. So, so like, Clearly, in that scene, um, like, like, do you not think like that he could have easily killed? Like, he could have taken him at any time. So, if he knew that the cafe was where he was at at that moment, did he have to attack him in that moment, or could he not wait until it was later on that yeah. night and just followed him around? Just, saw, just literally walked into his house and said, "Like, hey, nerd," <laughs> and just wedged him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He could have taken him in a much less public uh, arena or whatever. But like, and then MJ gets taken. Again. And you yeah. just think, no, I, I'm, I am glad that cinema didn't take much of the time. It's like mm. MJ by like the, the, the sheer, the, just the fact that she doesn't have testicles. Mm. obviously he needs to be hapless and helpless at that point at yeah. any given time you know like her uterus demands it yeah. uh, you know she, so she she gets fucking kidnapped and you're just thinking like dude like imagine from her perspective yeah at that point she didn't know who spider-man was but she, like in a city of eight million people there's been two super villains in two years and they both kidnapped her mm. <laughs> you know you just be thinking what the like, fuck is going on like the way that's does, does that scene lead directly into the train sequence 
That scene leaves. That? So like he uh, yeah it does because he's he says meet me at such and such a building at such and such a time. Yeah, so that scene leads into a great sequence. The train sequence is probably one of the, the best. The fight scene. on the clock yeah. tower and then to the train sequence. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 cinematic brilliance. Yeah. I I can look back retroactively on the the, the um special effects. Yeah. And I can I, I can nitpick on it because I'm so I live in an era of being so spoiled. Yeah. I've seen I've seen Endgame. I've seen Civil War. Yeah. It's incredible. And people are going to look back on and stuff like this in 20 yeah. years and feel the exact same way. I always it think about that with, with my kid that I'm like, I love Game of Thrones and she's going to look back and go, but stay in it. Like, she's going to make oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Except the last season. But the last season. Yeah, like, uh, like, that's another podcast. That's a podcast. <laughs> We're just podcast. reaming off content for you people. I'm like, just going to call it hate cast. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm calling the hate season. Like, um, this should be called Game of Owned. Yeah. <laughs> but like, the last season of that is terrible. I think we should put that on record. Bran is not my king. The right. North remembers Jon Snow is my king, and I'm going to put that out there right now because we will definitely create a podcast about this in the future. You know what all Bran creates? Shit. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's all he's good for is Fiber. <laughs> and uh, like, like I really wanted to start talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah, Trans I know. It's easy to say. Yeah. So like, I don't want to jump on right. Game of Thrones. We're on a, we've there was the <laughs> clock. I want to say something about the clock tower. Actually, he fights on the the, the clock tower, and um, at one point he. Uh, the arm is ripped off. It's about 200 the pounds. Of the hands of the yeah. And it falls. And Spider-Man's fallen. So he hits the building with a web. Yeah. Hits the arm with uh, the arm, the falling clock arm. Yeah. And then with the sheer just amount of kinetic energy he creates, he shoots it back up. It's a kill shot. Mm. It's not like this will teach this rapscallion. Yeah. I'd be like, no, it'll absolutely turn him to mush. Yeah. And he, he knows Doc Ock is... Oh, like oh, Octavius. Oh yeah, no, Ock. your man's wearing goggles. He's you not, yeah, he's not, he's not in disguise at all. But those goggles are extra protective, so they might protect. Oh, you are the son in front of a son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So, <coughs> excuse me. So when we go to the the tower sequence into the train sequence, which when I was a kid, man, that blew my mind. That whole train Absolutely sequence. Absolutely blew my mind. Um, and I just want to say, like, um, St- uh, like uh, Stan Lee makes a cameo earlier on because I know he makes a cameo. In the he stops someone like, from getting hit by falling the bridge. Yeah, no, yeah. that's in the first film, I think. I think it's in this one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I just want to make sure that we remember Stan Lee makes a cameo in nearly all of these Marvel movies. No, he movies. does. He was yeah. even in Venom. Was his last? Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's we all so much to Stan Lee. Like he's a genius and a legend. And like I just want to keep. They kind of reminding people that without Stan Lee we, and Steve Ditko and these great minds from back in the day, we'd have none of this to talk about. Like Jack Kirby, Jack, Jack Kirby as well. Like sorry, Jack Kirby, apologize. But these legends, we owe so much to them. Like and so much content has come off the back of their content. Like, but like in this sequence, like it, like it's ridiculous how many people find out he's Spider-Man when it comes to the end. Like, you know okay, I mean? now I need to just shuffle through the film and we can go back over. So, yeah. but I said this to you. Uh, yeah, and, and I said, uh, the 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 head editor, like yeah. uh, uh, Jonah Jameson's number one man, mm. he gives a, like, oh, Spider Man, Robbie Robertson, and then, yeah, Robbie Robertson, yeah. and then he gives a uh, Peter Parker the, I know your Spider Man look, yeah, and then at one point after the kidnapping of and and um, Aunt May, Aunt May, thank you, uh, she gives this whole like, oh, I think there's a hero in all of us and such and such a speech. She's just like, by the way, bitch, I know your Spider Man. Then MJ wants a kiss because she remembers from. The kiss from Spider Man that she thinks it was Peter Parker, so she knows he's 
Spider-Man. Then he fights on a train and he gets his mask pulled off. So everyone on the train finds yeah. out he's Spider-Man. Then he ends up meeting Harry Osborn, pulling off his mask, yeah. telling him that he's Spider-Man. Then he ends up showing up to fight Doc Ock at the end, pulls off his mask and yeah. tells him he's like, Spider-Man. So, Stop wearing the mask, man. So the reason like we want to hit on this hard is because, and, and just before I move on, the, uh, Joseph Robbie Robertson is played by Bill Nunn. And um, I just wanted to make that uh, clear because I want to give him his props because he does a, a lot with a small amount. But like in the comic books, there's very few. This is what made Civil War so important. When Peter Parker took off that mask and yeah. allowed the world to know he's Spider-Man, there's very few characters that hold on to his identity as closely as Peter Parker does with the Spider-Man thing. And everybody on that train finds out Spider-Man. And I want to give a big shout out to Joey Diaz, who appears in that sequence. He's an hilarious comic. Joey Coco Diaz. So check him out. He's on YouTube. He appears on Joe Rogan all the time. Absolutely he's hilarious. Absolutely the whole time on Joe yeah. Rogan. Can't he's, get rid of him. He's absolutely hilarious. And um, so the I think they kind of betrayed the character in a sense in like this movie because as you said, everybody finds out who Peter Parker is. The Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and vice versa. And like, even though that sequence was amazing, and like, <laughs> he has the the way it ends is the train is a it becomes a runaway train and he decides that he can't follow Doc Ock that he has to save all these innocent bystanders on board so he puts his back to the front of the train and I think you touched on it a little bit last time where he kind of starts shooting his web like nearly like machine before that he tries to drop and he put his foot on the oh yeah rail, sorry and, yeah, he actually, he and he's super strong but not obviously not that strong and then he jumps back up and his leg is like a little bit hurt as it would be <laughs> he grabs but, his knee yeah yeah you know what I mean like but then he does the very, the absolutely iconic yeah. web 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 and then hold for dear life. Yeah, so he grabs onto all these buildings and he used the buildings to slowly slow the momentum of the train and use himself as, uh, like, I don't know, I want to say linchpin again. Cause the fulcrum. Yeah, fulcrum. Yeah, like, he's yeah. in the middle of it. And it's like, so pretty much, like, what happens is that the train slowly starts to slow and then right as it reaches the end of the track, a little bit of it goes over. None of these people tend to walk to the back of the train. No. You know what I mean? And they all, once again, it's a very New York is one type moment like we had in the bridge in part yeah, yeah, one, the bridge the where they all put their hands around Spider-Man and prevent him from falling to his death because he loses the mask. Like, he, sorry, what, what, why does he take off the mask? It burns him, but in the first one, a grenade blows up in his face and he leaves the mask on. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. He so, got, yeah, sorry, when, when uh, Doc Ock, uh, uh, sorry, uh, dismantles the brakes as yeah. he throws it, it it kind of broke he throws something in his face and it singes a little bit yeah. if you see when he put the mask back on it's just one of his eye lenses one of his singed yeah exactly but he talks, takes the whole mask it off. makes no sense because like uh, half the mask is destroyed in the climax of the first one and he leaves the mask on yeah. like if, if the grenade melted the mask the fabric would have been sticking to his face and everything exactly. if that, and he would have pulled the mask off then so like I don't understand why he takes the mask off in this sequence and he does not at the end of uh, Spider-Man 1. And like, like um, literally so, like in this scene, dozens of people realise that he's a white male or whatever. They obviously don't know his name because no. they don't know him personally. No. But like... And Peter Parker li lives low. Yeah, like you know I mean? so... Freelance's photography. That's well, it. Like, it doesn't appear on the... Would he not be famous though at this stage? Because everybody knows him to be the one photographer because every picture would have his name. I, yeah, I, you know what? I think you would have got away with it in 2004 before mm. the real rise of social media. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't, like, it would, 
now we're like, if you were the guy who took pictures of a superhero, your Instagram would have 6 million followers. Yeah. But if you're a guy who got paid $200 for 10 pictures of Spider-Man, you're just fucking doing it. I suppose, uh, like, you just think, oh, Daily Bugle has photos Yeah, Daily yeah. Bugle has, has pictures of Spider-Man. Mm. So uh, you definitely get a pass on that one from me. So we'll um, run through this so, like, everybody finds out he's Spider-Man, but they don't realise he's Spider-Man. Because we won't tell, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, which is ridiculous. Someone would 100% say, Spider-Man's a young white dude, like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, looks like that dude Tommy Maguire yeah. <laughs> so like um, when you move on from the train sequence that kind of like leads us near nearer to the climax of the movie like and so what follows up the train sequence I'm a little bit hazy because I watched it a couple of days ago but I watched Spider-Man 3 afterwards so the two of them were kind of like melding when he follows up the, the, the train sequence um, yeah. Spider-Man goes back to confront Harry oh that's when he reveals that he reveals he... that's him and he reveals that what's going on is bigger mm. than us mm. And that he needs to know where Doc Ock is because he knows that Doc Ock is obviously trying to finish his experiment. Wait, no, that's in part three that he reveals to Harry, isn't it? No, it's part two. Man. Is it? Yeah. yeah, he says it's bigger than you and me. So it's no. In fact, in part three, um, Harry yeah. attacks him at the very start of the film. Oh, oh yeah, like which we'll get onto that because they changed the Green Goblin suit massively. Massive. He looks like a snowboarder. Yeah, exactly. Like so, um, like um, just comes in and goes, (laughs) (laughs) so like we'll we'll kind of try we'll kind of move on to the climax of the movie because like we've already been talking about breaking this film down. So I want to get on to we'll hit the break soon, and then we'll go on to the what if, and we'll talk about the things we would have changed about Spider Man Two. So like, when this the the climax comes on, like and this is where we see the Stephen the sorry the Sam Raimi trend of having these complicated tormented villains because like Otto Octavius as a man is not a bad guy but with under the influence of these tentacles he has become this super villain this like malevolent force that's just like out there so like when Spider-Man what did, what did you make of this final showdown between Spider-Man and Doc Ock I think it's very keeping with the Sam Raimi motif mm. and that's it that the bad guy isn't all that bad yeah that that was the running motif. Is that like victim of his circumstances? Victim of his circumstances. Victim, like sure, victim of his own humor. Certainly not blameless. Far from it, in fact. Mm. But at the same time, not full blown monster. In fact, there's a very famous line where I won't die a monster. Yeah, exactly. Like literally, it can't be. It can't be spelled out for you do more. Do you think? I don't want to cut off your train of thought, but do you think that's kind of like uh, what's the hunchback in Notre Dame's name? Oh God, sorry. Yeah, but you have me. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is his name? Oh shit. Sorry, I thought you were going to go Frankenstein. No, uh, no is, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Is it which but... one says I am not a monster? Is that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? It's Actually, not no, it's the Hunchback, hunchback in Notre Dame. Do you think it's kind of like hunted by the prince character? Oh shit! What's his name? Um, if I can't remember his name before the end of the podcast, I'll have it next time. Yeah, if we looked it up, it'd be cheap. Yeah, like yeah. Like, or will I look it up? Yeah. Fuck yeah. It. So no, right? You take on. You tell the tell the folks at home about what you made of the sequence and what you're doing. Uh, right I'll find out who the uh, Spider-Man has... Spider-Man can sh- he, he knows where the warehouse is I assume Harry told him and he shows up and MJ of course is the hapless female who needs saving and and uh, the final showdown happens and he's already activated the machine so that's that ship has sailed Quasimodo Quasimodo oh I knew it was something something obvious right. so keep going sorry uh, he, he shows up the machine has started mm. he fights for dramatic purposes, he essentially loses. Yeah. But he ends up being able to appeal, and this is the Sam Raimi thing, he ends up being able to appeal to um, to Doc Ock because it becomes all very clear with the magnetic field that the first 
experiment created. The second one had about four to five times more uh, precious tritium. Yeah. So it was pulling in cars from like miles away and stuff like that. It was going to legitimately destroy a city. And he ends up, like your man ends up with his uh, tentacles around his neck. Yeah. He could kill him as easy as blink. And uh, he decides, he just literally reaches the human in him. At the time, I never had a problem with it. But then I'm like, look, are you, are you like a crazy, like kill everyone dude? Or yeah. are you not? Like, but again, he decided to just let the human in him. Which to be fair is very comic book. Yeah. Like, like I mean, there's Carnage and there's, and there's Joker. There's, and there's a lot of guys who... Obviously, can't be. Yeah, can't be. what Stanley liked, and I think they captured this nicely. Is Sam Raimi obviously loves the source material. That there's a lot of shades of grey to these villains. No, 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 no yeah, no, they're no. not black and white villains. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't no. mean that in a racial sense. I just mean as in an obvious like evil and good. There is a middle ground between this. Oh, absolutely, good, most you know? of them, most of them. Yeah, and like, and when they go extreme again, Carnage and Joker be great examples. They go extreme. Yeah, but yeah, no, he was he was definitely definitely a coloured. Uh, like you know, there was nuance to it. Yeah, and he's the one who says the drown it. Yeah, exactly. And also, he was the best um, volunteer to actually take down the structure down which he had built and drown it in the Hudson River. Yeah, which was a bit stupid. Like, yeah. he's this supposed to be a son. Uh, why are you going to we'll put in water? It's not handle. You can't just put it out. No, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I know people are going to come back and say they control radioactive uh, materials in nuclear power plants by using water to put in great big depths in Japan. Yeah, in Japan famously, remember we in the Fukushima um, uh, power plant that got hit by the tsunami. But like, um, see, that's what you earn when you watch silly documentaries about everything. Um, <laughs> so like, and he sinks. In the, the climax, we see, once again, this man is complicated. The man conquers the machine in a lot of ways. He and sinks as well. There's a very, yeah. you know, there's a very kind of... Say the line. Uh, I won't die a monster. Yeah. Tears the thing apart. And then he's sinking. Obviously, the one thing that Doc Ock can't do is swim. Yeah. He literally has extremely heavy, yeah. dense metals. So, like, he's oh, the same as Sandman, almost. He's, he's, yeah. His weakness is water. There's just nothing to be done. Yeah. And he just sinks to his death. But he kind of dies. He's been reprieved from his sins. Yeah, my in the ring called Sandman Sandy Fist. Because do you remember that scene? Oh, in <laughs> and, like, uh, we're going to jump all over Spider-Man 3, I promise you. We're going to oh, have a lot of fun with that movie. We both God. watched it recently. It's absolutely Somebody awful. should have fun. Yeah. You know <laughs> I mean? like, if you don't laugh at tragedy. Yeah. So, like... When the movie climaxes, and um, if we left that and now people hit us up because we're going to be on YouTube, hit us up in the comment section and we'll, we'll address it at a later date. So, like, literally, um, the climax of the movie, we see that the man has conquered the machine and Do- Dr. O- o- Octavius has actually conquered. Died, yeah, died, died a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He died a man and not a monster, which yeah. is so important. And this is something Sam Raimi likes to touch on that, like, people sometimes do bad things are not necessarily bad people, you know? Yeah. We actually, if you take if you take aside again, the most out of place sequence in the whole film is when he killed everyone in the theater. Mm. The, the, the that was the arms, team. not him. The arms, not him. But yeah, like, they were the he, they were victims. Yeah. Everything else, like he tried to kill a train full of people, but he didn't. Yeah. He but, dropped an old woman from a building, but Spider Man saved her. Yeah, yeah, but the whole way through that he's under the influence of these. Tenets. Yeah, but I'm just saying they managed to, to to thread the line where he doesn't go full monster, full, like the way like exactly he's not Joker. Yeah, you know what I mean. Joker. Like Green Goblin was probably less redeemable than he was because yeah. he like Green Goblin died trying to kill Spider-Man. Yeah, and he already killed people straight out. Yeah, and he, oh god, yeah, like there was that weird scene where the, the grenades turned him to like skeletons for like all of a half second. Yeah, very, and then the skeletons, very Tim Burton esque. Yeah, like, 
Actually, while we're actually just a total side note, but Tim Burton esque is something that's very com uh, current with the soundtrack in the movies. Danny Elfman, check this up, did both soundtracks and the music. You think it wouldn't suit the movies, but yeah, it suits Danny Elfman. Man. Yeah, he's the genius. If Danny Elfman shows up in a team in just a studio, yeah. and goes, I got this, and he goes, No, sorry, Mr. Elfman, I'm the composer, and I got yeah. somebody, and he goes. Yeah, <laughs> I got this. Yeah, and Danny Elfman, who and then you have to leave. That's just Hollywood yeah. rules. Exactly, Danny Elfman, who who did the Simpsons theme music, and I'm pretty sure, geez, I'm gonna get real. For He's this. worked with Tim Burton yeah, as many times as Johnny Depp. Yeah, exactly, like you know, and but he um. So like in the climax, like we had this like as I said to you, the shades of grey to the demise of Doctor Ock, like. Or Doc Ock, sorry, Dr. Otto Octavius. And he plummets himself into the Hudson River, quenches this sun, I know it's ridiculous, in the water. And, like, this is where Spider-Man, in the end, actually gets the girl. Like, he actually ends up with Mary Jane here, and she knows he's Spider-Man, and she accepts him for who he is and what he is. And, like, the end sequence is in their apartment, and you get the famous line... Where Mary Jane gives him a kiss and says, "Go get him, Tiger," because she hears sirens going off in the distance, and I actually really like that last sequence because they're so intrinsically linked that they shouldn't have left it till the end of the second movie. Like it kind of shows us that maybe maybe assumed that there's going to be more than a trilogy. That like Spider-Man Four was moot for a long time, and that like I think their relationship maybe should have been brought to the head a little bit sooner in the narrative because she obviously knew he was Spider-Man earlier on with the kiss and all that. And like, do you think that was a good juxtaposition to the end of the first movie where he gives up the girl and in the second one he gets the girl at the end of the movie? Like, I think he tried, like in a way, I think Sam Raimi tried to have it both ways. And one is that if the, if the, if the franchise ended there, yeah, it ended there. Yeah. And it's like, at the first one he made a big point of him like, this is all I have to give, I think was the way he worded it. Yeah. Um, when she threw herself at him, essentially, I love you. And he was like, I'm sorry, I can only be your friend. Mm. And then the second one was like, why not? Because we, we're rooting for him. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. And, 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 I wouldn't, like, and the fact of the matter is that Peter Parker was definitely shat on enough in two films. Yeah. That, you, that it wasn't just like, it was, I know it was very rosy in one way. Yeah. But at the same time, he was just shouting so much that you just, didn't begrudge him. He was giving his just rewards. Exactly. Yeah. So if it, and so at the same time, it doesn't close off a third film because mm. you can have the whole relationship fall to shit. Yeah. As uh, but at the same time, I thought it was nice padding. I thought, why not? Yeah. Why not? Because so if it was like there was never going to be another entry, it's a perfect little no. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uncle Ben is dead. And that's awful. Yeah. His life has been very very complicated. His relationship with his best friend. Yeah. Uh, even the death of 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 uh, William Defoe's. Um, Norman Osborne yeah. uh, was very hard on him in, in a sense and you know his, his relationship with Aunt May was almost strained but she was a lovely woman so that fixed itself yeah. but, um, but at the same time you're just like yeah this guy's life has been hard so and he's had to give up so much and been through so much so fair enough he got the girl yeah so like, that didn't feel that that felt okay to me like you know so like, I was rooting for him like yeah that's one thing Todd McGuire did he kept you like in you always were rooting for him always well. rooting for him man. so like now that we've kind of really gone through the bones of the movie and in the next section but I, I, there's a big what if the whole Jake Gyllenhaal and I really want to jump on that because it could have made a completely different film I have a few questions for you on that but like so now that we've covered the whole film and we've seen that like we've talked about strengths its weaknesses and like 
do you, do you want we'll just we'll take a break now and then we'll jump back in with the what if section and then we'll talk about how this film could have changed over time and how it could have changed with different little um events occurring and stuff like that so what we do is we're going we're going to jump on a break now and we'll get back to you after the break and after the break we'll talk about what if and how we would have changed if we would have changed anything so all right folks we're going to see you after the break and i'm vincent green i'm still here with noah john so we'll be back soon all right see you soon folks This is Web Spinning Spider-Man with Flyaway Action Pack. Assembly required. Load the web spinning fluid and squeeze. Web Spinning Spider-Man. Small webs, big webs. Spider-Man webs are catchy webs. Webs around fingers, webs around legs. Webs, webs, Web Spinning Spider-Man. Web Spinning Spider-Man with Flyaway Action Pack and Web Spinning Fluid by Migo. Folks, we're back from the break. I'm Vincent Green, your host for the Spider Fan Family Hour, and this is Noel John Tuti, my go uh, guest. Hey, Noel, make sure they know you're live. Go on, tell It's been three months, <laughs> so we're back from the summer break. <laughs> like, I lost some family. <laughs> it's, I've gone through a real dark time. He's actually a suspect in a current open murder case. <laughs> and, um, well, no, no, I was just a witness. I was given like I was given hand jobs for crack money. It's, again, it's been a real dark time yeah oh my god so like shooting webs of my own <laughs> oh, <I'm dirt. laughs> web slinging all over people's faces yeah, yeah, yeah. so um when Noel is finished emptying off his organic or web cartridges all over yeah, yeah. No, no, no. but it's definitely organic web that's definitely right. organic yeah. webbing so the second section if you if you sperm. listen <laughs> spider sperm <laughs> <laughs> so like if you listen to us last time, um, you know the second section is where we're going to go with the what if. It's it's a big mainstay. There was a whole comic book series back in the day, Marvel, and now you see it. So we actually, I think we know if it's up if you're up for it, we we'll do a reaction piece maybe on the 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 re, the recent Marvel release. Sometime we we'll do a standalone reaction piece, and we'll talk through what they think of what we think of uh, Phase Four and Five before another project that I'll announce at a later date. But so Noel, the big what if here really comes down to during the time in the two-year period between spider-man 1 and spider-man 2 like toby mcguire nearly didn't reprise his role as spider-man because of a back injury i think he sustained in seabiscuit jake gyllenhaal nearly took on the role i touched on this a little bit earlier but i want to leave it for the second second section so we can really focus on it how did you think the movie would have turned out with Jake Gyllenhaal taking on the role as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man? First off, I would have hated it because I just... I, I, well, there, there, there's a thing where... Do you where, hate recasting? Sorry, I hate recasting. I, I, like, I think now, again, I know we don't want to go into other films, but yeah. I, I'd like to do what I'd like to think it's organic. In this. Yeah. Um, between Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2... <laughs> Don you Cheadle. already you already know. Yeah, Don Cheadle. Um, so what Noel is talking about here is in Iron Man One, Terrence Howard, who I think he reached a lot of fame with Empire. He was in Hustle and Flow. He got nominated as an Oscar for an Oscar. Is this a pimp turned rapper? A great actor. He's a great, a great actor, actor. Really yeah. good character actor, and he kind of had. He he looked like he was the other side of the same kind as Robert Downey Jr. He had that car uh, charm, the charisma, and he was later replaced in Iron Man Two over contractual. But disputes. he was always going to be. 
uh, War Machine. Yeah, he was in, even in the James first film. Rody Rhodes. Rody Rhodes. Yeah. In the first film, uh, I, I can't remember what exactly, but he looks at next time some baby. of the tech I and he's in next, next time, time baby. Yeah. And that just sets him up. But due to contract disputes, I think he wanted more con- money than more uh, money Junior. Or the same amount of yeah, money, which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. A Robert Downey Junior. has been given so much money. Yeah. And B Robert Downey Junior. is Iron Man. Is Iron Man? Yeah, exactly. Like Robert Downey Junior. was born into this universe where we don't have yeah. superheroes to be Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I can't, I can't think of a cast. I literally here He's you the go. Titular character. If you're, if you were on YouTube at some stage in the in the future, where in December yeah. of twenty twenty in the universe that me and Vinny are currently yeah. living in, um, if you can think of a better casting than Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man. Yeah. And I actually, I actually think Tommy McGuire, by the way, just to stay on topic, is yeah. my favorite. Spider-Man. I Wrong. Just, <laughs> I just love his haplessness. I thought he was... The, see, the thing is, I think Tobey Maguire is the greatest Clark Kent. Yeah. No. You, because Iron Man... Because uh, Spider-Man... Tobey Maguire is the greatest Clark Kent. Yeah, but no, see, that's the thing. Clark Kent, like... You mean... Outside of the superhero... You mean Christopher Reeves is the greatest Clark Kent. Oh, no. Chris Reeves is Clark Kent. That's what I mean. Yeah. I just think... Like, eventually, when you throw on the mask, and even today, it becomes... CGI and then you deliver lines as yeah. you're jumping you know what I mean but essentially yeah. the character that you're supposed to play yeah. is the Clark Kent it's the Peter Parker yeah. it's again the, the best example might be the Bruce Banner yeah. because you're not you know you're you, like, the Hulk is such a transformation yeah. and that's why he finds it hard in individual films exactly yeah. so I just thought Tom McGuire I actually thought he was a really good like I, I just thought he was a really good balance I think we said Peter it, Parker he's a true blue superhero exactly yeah and I, I think, like, I actually just, I don't think Spider-Man, I think three men have done a great job yeah. on Spider-Man. Tom and, Holland and, is the best. To, fair enough, Tom he's Holland's actually the age. <laughs> well, he's the age, you know, he yeah. has that goal. I even just thought Andrew Garfield, I thought, was a great spot. I, I wouldn't yeah. begrudge anyone their opinions. I, I think you can only judge. I know some films are better yeah. than other films, yeah. but you have to understand that that, that Spider-Man is easier to play yeah. than Peter Parker. Yeah. Because then you get to throw on the mask and you get to be... Because it's a stuntman C- or a CGI. C- yeah. CGI stuntman yeah. and amazing. Yeah. Literally exactly. get to be amazing. Yeah. You know, but like... So, but Peter Parker it still has to be a man. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I just thought Toby Maguire played a man really well. Like, yeah. this, this this character. I just thought he played... Because he's a very good character actor, naturally. Exactly. And yeah. I just thought he, he just played Peter Parker really well. I, I don't know. I guess, like, I could... You know the way you always try and project yourself into films? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, even, like, I, I now in the new age where we're seeing the rise of, like, Wonder Woman, uh, and, uh, Scarlett Johansson's uh, Black Widow, yeah. uh, and uh, and more to come, but um, you can still uh, find women, project you project yourself into it. Yeah. Um, but I just think that that character is is easier to project yourself into than the superhero like I, whether it's a, woman, a female character a black character or a, a, or, a, or um, an old character or a young character yeah. i can project myself into it based on the personality but a superhero is always a disconnect yeah that's where like when he's jumping in between buildings it's not that he's so uh, it doesn't matter if he's male or female or, or, or anything that's just a superhero do you think I Tobey Maguire was really good at Prince do Brown. you think Tobey Maguire because of his uh like his look for lack, lack of a better term is would you more suit like Jake Gyllenhaal is a fantastic character sorry I, I actually I'm sorry I, I'd like to correct myself and even yeah. apologise because I, I got so disconnected from the original question yeah. and that was that was the, the recasting I, I was and that's how we got into Iron Man yeah, no, that's I thought the recasting at least was on, on a secondary yeah. character but you have to understand that like just suddenly have 
done all of this work setting up Toby Maguire really, really well. Do you think Don Cheadle was a good... Like, Don Cheadle's a great actor. Yeah. I love Don Cheadle. But he doesn't suit the role as... But I, do, I, do I don't see him as War Machine. I no, I, I, I actually... Prefer Howard. I, I would have preferred. Yeah. And, and I actually love Don Cheadle. Yeah. Uh, Black, uh, Black Monday. Black yeah. Friday. Is that the Black Monday? He's in a comedy series about the crash of Wall Street. But yeah. it's out of Black Friday. It's, I think it's called Black Monday. And you just realise that he's charismatic. Yeah. He's... he's Is his show not called Liar Liar? No, Liar Liar. No. What's up? Black Lies. Is it? I thought it was Black Monday. It's literally about the stock market. Right, right. You jump. You you talk to the folks at home about Jake Gyllenhaal. Right, going to find out. Yeah, no. So I just think no. I just yeah. don't want anyone to think. I actually love Don Cheadle. He was in Garda. Yeah. With um, uh, Gleason. Yeah. And he and you know I just thought he's brilliant. He's wonderful. He's warm. I enjoy him. Yeah. But there was an intensity to his. Trent Howard is that the name? Uh, Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. Yeah. There's an intensity to him where I just went, yeah, baby. Like he was this kind of like slick military man. Yeah. He, that, like, well, not the genius, not like the raw genius of of Tony his Stark. His chemistry was even his much better. Was Robert, Robert Downey Jr. So I, so I didn't like the recasting, even though I loved the characters. But yeah. You can't do it with Spider Man. Yeah. You know, you so, can't. You, like I, I, I wasn't even crazy about when they did it with if you had War a, Machine. Yeah, exactly. So if you had a choice, would you prefer to see the film come out later and hold on to Tobey Maguire or yes, yes, so, easily. So like, they did it, Tobey Maguire, because you have to understand that it's not just replacing the character Black, Black Monday. Monday. Yeah. So okay. that, that but show Noel was talking about was Black Monday starting. Yeah, I, was, I, I got that one right. He plays Mo Monroe. Yeah, and he's he's a great cocaine eighties yeah. sexy. Like the rise and crash of Wall Street, he's yeah. just brilliant in it. So I think he's a brilliant actor. Cool. But at the same time, it's not just that you change an actor. Obviously, you've changed that. Everybody else in that world yeah. treats this new actor like they're that person. So, so what we do is so we're, um so we don't drift too far away from the topic. We we'll address. I'll get you to come back on Iron Man two because you started this conversation with me on Spider Fan. So we have we have other projects planned. I don't want to give away too much, but we'll address this. All it says we'll address this in more detail later, and I'll get Noel back simply because we started this conversation. That's yeah. good, you Noel. Yeah. So like, I want to talk about the the. So I think Jake Gyllenhaal had like I think he's nearly too handsome to be Peter Parker. That's you know what. That, yeah. This is the point I was trying to get at, as in what I see when I was looking yeah. at the film. I went on to Iron Man. I digressed too much. No, you're but at the same time. I was just like, this is the look. Because that's your example. You're and using. then you have to use, you have to change everything in the world. Yeah. It's not just changing one thing. Obviously, everyone's relationship. Yeah. They have to. That's when you realize that actors are being actors, and yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I I I I thought the first film did a really good job of of. I thought the start of the second film where he was delivering pizza. I thought it was a beautiful mm. opening scene. I, I literally thought it was one of the things that got really, really right. It really normalised them. And then, but Peter Parker just is this dude where you don't, you look at him and think, Jack Gyllenhaal is such a good looking man. He is. Where you look at him and you think like, yeah, of course you're like a superhero. He's a movie star. Actor, a movie star. He's, yeah. he's like, he's a movie star, good looking dude. He's actually a terrific actor. Yeah, amazing you know, actor. And, and like, I don't want to kind like of diminish him. Johnny Darko, Nightcrawler, yeah. amazing. Like Johnny Depp was, is, is a really good looking yeah. guy. He's such a great character. Well, I want, so I'm not, I'm not trying to go on Just to jump on Johnny Depp, though, he became a character of himself. I mentioned it in, just a bit of self-promotion, I mentioned it in an article I wrote for 25YL a couple of months ago in Dark Shadows. The, the the movie he did with Tim Burton, I think he became later became a character of himself, and he 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 lost like some of his best roles I think are in character roles. Just to totally go off topic here for no reason, but his best character or in comic roles like Rum Diary, where he's not playing a character, he's like he's not playing this like over the top oafish character. Everything's gregarious. Yeah, Willy Wonka. Um, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Like I mean, 
Sweeney Todd, all yeah. that, and these aren't even his biggest roles. Yeah, exactly. Like, but like I, that's I, not Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, but like when you look at like, uh, I think we should look at as Jake Gyllenhaal with the set of talents he has. Forgo his uh, superstar handsomeness, and <laughs> we we look at like the set of talents he has. I think he's too layered. No, as, I, I think there's a simplicity to Tobey Maguire. Exactly. Yeah, you know what there, I mean. Like, exactly. You just kind of came in, like, like the thing about Spider Man versus, like again, I'll just go, uh, Superman. Yeah. Because that's Christopher Reeve Superman. No, well, I'm actually just Superman as as a character. Yeah. Superman as a monolith. Uh, yeah, Superman is a monolith. Superman is so, per- he's literally like a perfect specimen yeah. he's, he's like genetically superior to all yeah. of us because in our atmosphere he can do these amazing things yeah, the way he but Tommy McGuire had a thrust upon him yeah and that's you the mean, big difference yeah Batman worked for it yeah. Superman was given it yeah. and Spider-Man had a thrust upon him mm. same as um, kind of similar to uh, the Hulk yeah. it was thrust upon him but the Hulk is just an embodiment of rage Peter Parker has all of his faculties yeah. he was just given He's like the super bass guy, but that's exactly super yeah. yeah. I know, mm-hmm. but he was given it. And Tommy McGuire for me just looks like a dude that could happen to. Him. Yeah, because like if you so described normal. it, if you if like look, let's just say for like the film doesn't exist, or I'm a blind man. Yeah, I just I don't I I don't have something I can look at and say this is what you're talking about. I have to envisualize. Yeah, and if you say look, this this kid, he's very he's very scientific. He's a good kid. He's got mm. a crush. He's just a normal everyday dude. I picture a Tommy McGuire. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just Jay Gyllenhaal. I just feel like he's almost Superman esque. He's got, you know, he's blue eyed and yeah, that's why he was perfect as Quentin Beck, not to jump too far ahead in Spider Man Far From Home, um, because he had this movie star look about him. But like, I touched on this earlier. I was really unhappy with James Franco, and the more I watch these movies, and we'll we'll talk about Spider Man Three next time. But like, I think his character just deteriorates um, as the movies go along, and I think I would have totally recasted him. For someone else, because maybe not in the sequel, but in like retroactively looking at it, it's hard to recast them. Because I'm like you, I hate seeing recasts. And Don Cheadle, like the touch that again, like he was so, like he's such a different style of actor. He lacks that. He has a charm to him, but it's more of a dry charm compared to Terrence Howard. You know that kind of way. Like, I do feel sorry. I need yeah. to interject, and I, I know oh, we tried to talk. But same thing is like when you change the secondary character, you can mm. sit down with the script guys and go right. Let you introduce him, and again, Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor. He's just going to go, uh, uh, you know, he's, yeah. he's he's going to be uh, James Rhodes. Yeah, James, James Rhodes. Rhodes. Yeah, James Rhodes. Rhodes. He's going and he's going to refer to him as that, and so is um, so is uh, Penny Potts or yeah. whatever her name is, uh, played by uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. You're yeah. But uh, the fact of the matter is, if you if you try and put somebody central yeah. the entire way through, you don't get to slowly introduce a character yeah. and not try and take people out of the universe. It's it's right there in the middle and yeah. it's horrible. Yeah. So like Did Batman do it with uh Maggie Gyllenhaal? Twice. The Batman one but who did you say? But Maggie Gyllenhaal with Bat- with Katie Holmes. Yeah, yeah, that's in Batman what he's talking about there is uh Katie Holmes originally played Rachel Dawkins, I wanna yeah. say was her name. Something like that. But and people didn't buy her yeah. as a, 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 as a, a woman of action. Yeah, I think Christopher Nolan didn't like her either, her portrayal of the character, so she got later replaced by actually Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, sibling, Maggie Gyllenhaal. But because, but, of t- because she was tertiary, you were able to do it and then make it a little bit organic yeah. because at least you're, sent, you're, sent, you're lynchpin. Yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal is Christian probably, Bale. She's a better actress than... Oh, she is a better K- actress. K- but K- she's K- like, but you're lynchpin. You can't mm. take Tobey Maguire mm. out of it. Mm. And then expect to have the same film. It's ludicrous, man. So, like, 
I, I think we both kind of come to a common ground that Jake Gyllenhaal, even though he has these talents as a character actor, that it would have just been a, such a harsh transition to change up Peter Parker and Spider-Man. The tone might have been different, his portrayal might have been different. And Do you think, actually, if Jake Gyllenhaal replaced Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 2, that he would have gone on to replace him altogether in the series? Well, if he had it, the film was a success, it stands to reason that he yeah. would have, yeah. Well, for the film, the film meant less than the, the original. It meant less, but it meant profit. Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. Like, uh, it, it meant close to four times when the first one meant like five times. Yeah, I think it so, was like 825 so, to 139. Yeah, so goes. like it's it, it undeniably meant more, and I'm sure. Mm. But like obviously, I'd imagine that the way that works is a threshold. Yeah. A literal threshold. And once you get over that we're definitely going to make it. Yeah. And then once you get over maybe another one or two times, 100%, yeah. you're kind of like, not only going to make it, but we, we promise you at least this much more yeah. funding. And there ha just has to be simple math to it. Yeah, and the problem with it is, you kind of start getting into the... Yeah, and the problem with it is, like, where you kind of start getting into the, the realms of... Remember the Batman series, where originally it was Michael Keaton as the Bruce Wayne slash Batman, and... He got replaced. Comedy by, actor. People yeah. were pissed off. And um, no, the, the only reason I bring it up like is because he was originally replaced by Val Kilmer in the Batman Forever. Don't want to talk about. And that. who went on to be replaced by George Clooney. Don't want to talk about in that. Batman and Robin. And um, the reason I bring that up is because it you want to have like the only character really that successfully recast its role consistently is probably James Bond. See, but you can even run with this theory that yeah. James Bond is a piece of paper that you're given that says you're James Bond now. Yeah, they, they in, not to jump too far off, but in Skyfall, the Daniel Craig movie as James Bond, where they initially wanted to kind of touch upon how the 007 was actually just a moniker. James exactly. Bond was a cold People man. were losing their shit over a woman getting the job, or a black man getting the job. Who you're cares? like, hold your shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the thing is, who the fuck says his name is James Bond? Yeah, exactly. Like, why would you walk into a criminal organization and go, mm. like, you wouldn't tell them you have a license to kill. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. So you're, you have that in the pocket. But, like, definitely give yeah. them your... Like, my name is Noel John Toohey. Yeah. It was like, huh, okay, I'm in this spy-infested place. I won't tell them I have a gun or a license <laughs> to kill. But I'll give them my family name. Yeah, you know, like, I, I, I honestly thought that, like, I think in Skyfall, he goes to the place that is actually called Skyfall, and he meets Albert Finney, which they initially wanted uh, Sean Connery to play the part. And, like, they went with Albert Finney. R.I.P. Sean Connery. Yeah. We love you and thank you. Um... I don't think Sean Connery was a good actor, but that, that's for another day, day because he played Sean Connery. That seems like a weird flex just after yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that, like, so everyone, like, Noel John um, says rest in peace. And I also say rest in peace to Sean Connery, and I think he was a screen legend. But he's but, glad he's dead, apparently. I'm not glad he's dead. I'm just glad that he doesn't act anymore. And that was before he died, because the only good thing that came out for me, the film... Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Sean Kearney stopped acting. He's a terrible actor. He he played like a Russian sub-commander and he had a Scottish accent. He played uh, like an emissary from... Hunt for Red October for those Yeah, oh, Sorry, yeah, Hunt for Red October and where he starred... Uh, it was one of the... We're doing this for Putin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he starred across, uh, I think it was Alec Baldwin it was that, to play Jack Ryan in that movie. And um, so, a long like, time, man. I'm so, old, but I'm not that old. So, like, I, I think Sean Connery is a screen legend, but I wouldn't class him as a good actor. I'll just put that there. But rest in peace, Sean Connery, you're a legend. Um, I just didn't rate you as an actor, and that's probably going to get me nerd railed online. But bring it to me because I have my reasons. So, 
we we both kind of as I said we came to a common ground that Jake Gyllenhaal probably wasn't suited to the role of Peter Parker because of his movie star qualities and not his everyman qualities something we touched on last time with Tom Cruise and War of the War of Worlds War of the World War of the Worlds War of the Worlds I'm going to stick with War of the Worlds yeah Tom Cruise and War of the Worlds directed by Steven Spielberg the star Dakota Fanning as his daughter I cannot remember the dude who plays his son so off topic man. And, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter they're here to listen to us talk yeah, yeah 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 so right we're going off topic but we'll jump back on topic now because that's the power we wield so like we're going to jump back on so Alfred Molina as Dr. Otto Octavius is there better casting he's really good isn't he oh he's a brilliant casting yeah. again he's no Robert like Robert Downey Jr like we just said was. but Alfred Molina I love the fact that you just played a guy that I can buy as a scientist yeah exactly and I, what I also loved about Doc Ock is that he wasn't like the you know like do you remember when like Magneto I, I, I loved when the, the Sir McKellen, Ian McKellen because yeah. he he didn't need to be, he was this huge imposing character but he, man it wasn't like he could, it's not that he could take Wolverine in a fight yeah his powers were bonkers yeah and Ian McKellen was a slender older man, but it didn't matter. You can't, you can't get near him. Mm. He could he could take the magnesium from your brain and put you to sleep. It didn't yeah. matter. He was he was a completely different I, animal. Like. I don't want to start off topic again, but I never understood why Wolverine even bothered with Magneto. Like just let somebody else take the lead in that scenario. Do you remember the third film yeah. where he goes? He actually said to him, he goes, "How did you think you were like? Not only did he have metal for bones, he had the rarest metal yeah. in the world. Adamantium for all you nerds. Yeah, he had the rarest metal in the and the densest metal in the world. Yeah, and you're talking about a guy that could pull like." iron up from the soil yeah. like it, it was literally his life's breath it was yeah. like imagine if everything smelled of curry <laughs> you know imagine just kind of going, oh, yeah it's over there and it's over there like that's what it was to him it was like literally his life's blood you just identify it yeah. he's kind of going you know what we'll send the ultimate assassin yeah. you think of black widow no the wolf <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, anybody literally like you could have just dressed them in plastic cy yeah. cyclops you know I mean, I mean just like if somebody had super hearing and was going I know how we're going to take this mm -hmm. man out mm -hmm. you don't mean of course I do the bullhorn yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like so like um, so you do you think like Alfred Molina's casting as Dr. Uh, Octavius. Octavius and Doc Ock and um you think I thought that was perfect casting, and like perfect uh, casting. And I think, and I, I want to touch a little bit on this because of the news that came out. Um, there's rumors that he's going to return in the next Spider-Man movie. Don't so get also, it, but I, I actually love the man so much. I just hope. Yeah, like Fuck it. I, uh, I, I hope we see a multiverse idea because it opens up so many possibilities for Marvel down the road to bring him back to season. I'm going to put on my comic hat. Go ahead. Now. They did this really really cool series where yeah. it was uh, where the all the Spider-Mans were connected, and there was these kind of. Uh, like semi demi deities who were hunting them, yeah, and they were all and so it was able to bring in the noir Spider Man. Yeah, and I don't want the pig Spider Man. I don't want yeah, it to get too pig. silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to get too yeah. silly. But I, I could show up as a cameo. Yeah, like yeah. Howard the Duck. <laughs> but like Howard the Duck. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. But I, I, I did love it, and I, I thought when the comic book does something well, us comic nerds were like, have at. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes yeah. you do something, you go, nope. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. That didn't work. That yeah. didn't work. There was a, a comic where I read where Superman died and uh, the spirit of Krypton came down and he was pissed off that he didn't keep Superman alive and Lois said, use me. And then Lois ends up killing Lex Luthor, yeah. turning over all these governments. Superman comes yeah. back, realizes she's a monster. Yeah. He dies. It's, it's all, so it's this real dark story. Hashtag like feminism. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just lost to half your audience. Yeah. Um, nah. But, um, like, so what we do is, so... Where we we posited what would have been like for Jake Gyllenhaal to take over the role of uh, Peter Parker and Spider Man, 
and we looked at how Alfred Molina definitely, or Alfred Molina, sorry, definitely suited in the role of Doc Ock. And um, so I already touched on earlier on, I thought James Franco was, this should have been not cast in the original, but like obviously I hate recasting, so definitely keep him on for the sequel. But to minimize this character, they kind of minimize MJ a little bit in the sequel too. I no, MJ is look okay. What did they get right? It got Doc Ock right. Yeah. It got. I think it got Spider Man really. Right? Yeah. I like the fact his confidence affected his yeah. powers. I like the fact that he was struggling with his real life versus his superhero life because I thought sometimes superheroes are very glamorous. Yeah. And that's all you know about them. I guess, and this yeah. this was great. It was great. It was in his life. It yeah. was like it was like oh sorry I only have this twenty dollars for the rest of the week and your man snatches the twenty dollars yeah. from his hand. Like, Where's my rent? <laughs> this, this this guy could could like reshape the world but like there he is just some dude yeah. robbing 20 taking 20 dollars from his hands do you remember like even that there's a great scene actually yeah. that we I, i'd like to touch upon Go for ahead. two seconds yeah. and that's where he doesn't have a toilet inside his apartment oh yeah it's like and he goes to the main toilet and he, he, he knocks in the door because he's polite to see if anything's there and the guy comes out and it's brilliant he yeah. walks into the toilet ahead of him ignoring him thinking yeah. god he doesn't even know he exists and i thought that's rude but then he does he opens up the door and goes Rent. Yeah, he just and, and Spider Man reach or Peter Parker reaches in and just shuts the door. Yeah, and I thought that like that's imagine like because it's not Bruce Wayne, it's not returning to a a Batcave and yeah. you have a super or Wayne Manor, you know, or Wayne Manor, or yeah, and you have to play the playboy. He's yeah. like in that sense, Spider Man becomes the most alternate to to to, to, to Batman. Yeah, the most alternate. Yeah, literally a guy trying to scrape by like many anyone listening to this. Yeah. I assume are I am. Yeah, especially nowadays. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. if something like we have the euro here. If 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 I was hit with like a two hundred euro um, problem, I'd be in trouble. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I I'm fine. I, I I there's bread on my table yeah. and everything's fine. But if I hit that, I'd be like, God. Like, if, I, if I pay for this, I'm not going to be able to yeah, pay for like this. Yeah, many people. That's where we are. Yeah, exactly. Paycheck to paycheck. That's paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. yeah. So like. So we're happy. Like MJ's involvement, uh, Kirsten Dunst once again is given so little work with. Like so little. She was a hapless. She was a yeah. female who kept getting in trouble. She's just this live bait. Like we and that's not on Kirsten yeah. Dunst. No, at, at all. Oh, oh. at all. Like if you seen her in like uh, a Virgin Suicide or Interview with the Vampire, like we mentioned in episode no, one. No, she she was the best actress in the film. Yeah, she's an incredible actress. If you were just to say like actor's ability, yeah. Kirsten Dunst was the single best actress yeah. in the entire Spider-Man franchise. Yeah. And she deserves the plaudits. It's not her fault that the, the script said, look, you get, you know, yeah. she's just a normal woman. So you get like abducted by Doc Ock. Yeah. And if it was me, I got abducted by do Doc you, Ock, I'd be like, yeah, obviously I do. Do you what think Kirsten's a better actress than Alfred? Alfred Molina is a better actor. Or do you call them both actors now? I don't think she is. Oh man, I, I was, I'm a yeah. little bit younger than Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. So when Interview with the Vampire came out, yeah, I seen that as a very very young man, yeah. Like if, if not a child, if yeah. not twelve or something. Was it made nineteen fifty four? Because we did clarify you're seventy seven years old. We did clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she wasn't just good in that. She yeah. was amazing. Yeah, she's a smack. She got an Oscar for yeah. it, man. And and she didn't she didn't sneak it. I, more, she was amazing. Exactly. And more recently, actually, we want to touch on this. Last time we mentioned, we were wondering. I actually remembered right after we finished recording, Anna Paquin was the girl in piano. And Carl, who is our magnificent editor, Carl McAvoy, he's a ledge, 
So he hit me up out of nowhere, just random text. He says, Shirley Temple, if you're wondering. And the answer to that, uh, the, that answer belongs to the question of who was the youngest um, person to win an Oscar. And he hits me up on WhatsApp with the most random thing. Shirley Temple, if you're wondering, won an honorary Oscar. And I think the second youngest was Anna Paquin. So I was kind of right. Just want everyone to know how right I am. That's all I want anyone to know. Oh, look, look, all I demand is your unbridled worship. I want you to see me as a rightness deity. So like, we touched on... Uh, <laughs> if you bought an engagement ring, could you please pawn it and send us the money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like um <laughs> a pawn tree on <laughs> so like hit us up on our pawn tree. Yeah, just send us in your goods and silvers. Yeah. <laughs> so we're here for the precious metals. Yeah. If yeah. you have precious tritium. Yeah, I got it. I want it on record that yeah. I got there. He got it. He was all over that. And um so he was all over that like Doc Ock with his tentacles on the yeah, precious yeah. tritium. So um so like as the movie like like so we were there we covered the whole Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, and they're the kind of side characters. And like as the movie kind of progresses, you'd see James Franco starting to slowly take on the guise of the Green Goblin. It well, the, it end, open. The, the ending is yeah, so, him discovering something we didn't touch on initially. I just literally popped in my head. He <laughs> he throws some and it goes through a mirror. That's what it was. <laughs> so, it, it, does he does his father's voice start playing tricks with him just yeah, before that? He, I think he's yeah. He starts hearing his father's voice in his head, like uh, the way William Defoe hears his own voice. Oh, sorry, I said I said Carson Dunst, and I like to walk it back because I know he's only in one film. Yeah, but William Defoe is probably my favorite actor. For oh, really? Yeah, for yeah, the entire yeah. Spider-Man. Well, I was, you know, I I think that I'm like Carson Dunst is in the trilogy. Yeah. So, but but William Defoe was just he's amazing just the, like again there's guys like William Defoe and, yeah. and Shannon and guy, uh, Mike Mike Shannon, Shannon, yeah. and guys like that who I, I just think they walk on set and uh, like uh, my, the best example my favourite actor of all time Daniel Day-Lewis oh yeah yeah definitely. you just like action and he goes hello and you yeah. just think fuck he nailed it yeah exactly, <laughs> you know yeah. like fuck he nailed it yeah because he inhabits the character before the character ever reaches the screen like yeah. you know like so, I, in, I actually find I would actually I'm not a non-actor of course but I would yeah. actually just think like Fuck me, this is daunting. Yeah, exactly. Like Sean Penn. Yeah, you want another incredible, you know, just like fuck me. This it's is that daunting. question when you look at an actor's portrayal and go, How are they doing this? How are they doing this? You know what I mean? Like, so, like, when we like, so when you look at the whole overall aspects of Spider Man 2, like, like, there is certain aspects that I definitely would have changed. The story is a bit on the nose at times, and it's a bit hit and miss and how they incorporate different aspects of the Spider Man character and his mythos with certain power set into the movie itself but like when you look when you look at it like do you think that like when you really drive at that there was parts of this movie that you would have changed wholesale or are you happy with the overall product no no see here's the thing i, I watched it as I, i'm 37 by the way i'm not 77 <laughs> um but uh, when i watched it i watched it with a critique sorry yeah i even said to, to Vinny, i said uh I'm such a distracted fucker these days, like we all are. I watching a film without looking at my phone was a true pain. Yeah, you know, I was just like, ooh, don't no. Yeah. I need to check if I gained emeralds in this stupid game. Yeah, I'm people keep, on my put phone. that phone away. Enjoy the, the movie. Phone, you know, and uh, I was just like, fuck. 
I'm loving this, but yeah. I'm not liking this. I refuse to critique CGI because CGI was bleeding edge. Yeah. What yeah. else do you want? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like you. If you look at a film and you judge it for not being made in 2020 yeah. or 2021, it's like look that's at, on you. Yeah, it's like look at a movie from the 70s or 80s and complain about the the practical effects they use. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like Terminator One. Terminator One. Yeah. Where yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger takes out his eyeball. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and there's this scene where like he's this rubber face motherfucker like looks up and just looks in and you're thinking like that looks really bad well, yeah. yeah dude it's it's 1983 yeah. calm the fuck down yeah like you put yourself in the shoes back then you would have been mind blowing you know yeah. what I mean and here's the thing James Cameron's probably a better director than I am if I was, if I was to be critical of yeah myself. he loves them blue cats though he's never going to let Avatar go until he sees 57 of them because Disney own them now we're only going to see them every couple oh, of years we haven't seen a second one yet so yeah, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, not like, yeah. it's not like he's been pumping oh, them out like, what used to name me about James Cameron he's like never happy like, I know he's cutting edge but he's never happy with the technology he's like oh we're going 3D everyone copies James Cameron like now we're going 4K the thing you need to know about James Cameron is James Cameron doesn't do what James Cameron does for James Cameron <laughs> James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron is <laughs> James, James Cameron oh, that's good that's good oh, man. so Park yeah. it's just, it just one of the best lines um, you see where he actually raised the bar <laughs> So, when you look through it, like, if you were to take the, the director's mantle away from Sam Raimi and put Noise on 2E in the seat instead. Like, yeah, of course. Like, it's the same, look, we're, we're both, like, Liverpool football club fans, mm. and we've we've had these conversations where suddenly we're these world-class football managers in our head, because of yeah. course we are, because yeah. we're, we're passion merchants. Yeah, exactly. We're, yeah. We're, 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 we're football, we're couch fans, and kind of going... And it's almost like when you watch a UFC fight and you're sitting there with your bag of Cheetos and goes, yeah. I would have got him in a submission. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you know what? I told you, I would have got him, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I, would have, I would have sweared to the left yeah. and avoided that punch altogether. Flying triangle. So like, world-class fighter Amanda Nunes. <laughs> she, she just doesn't get it. Like, you know? So like, um, is there any, like, so you wouldn't have made any wholesale changes? No, see, the thing is, I, I, I thought it was... There's things where everything I looked at, some of my critiques are critiques. Like I yeah. thought again, James Franco wasn't great in this film. I feel sorry for James Franco. I don't yeah. think he suited the role, but I also think not a great actor. When yeah, but he didn't know him same as. But I don't think he 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 worked with what he was given. He was supposed to be what he was. Yeah, obsessed and all that all that kind yeah. of thing. But um, so maybe I would have changed that. But uh, at the same time, he was in the first film. I didn't think it was so bad that he needed he, to he, not he, be he in the recasted, second film. Yeah. And I hate recasting. Yeah, I think they could have given him a bit more probably. Like, and that's why like, we might like. I think the lines they gave him, as we touched on earlier on, like we're going for a Nobel Prize. Uh, was what did he say about the money? Um, happy to ha- fund the bill or yeah, some shit happy like to that. Fund the bill, like so, like he's really, really, really cheesy and stuff. Like but there's there he's lines, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't. But you know, there he's yeah. lines. It's not like uh, it's not like we so can be pissy put, with James Franco for not like going rogue and delivering yeah. a great. So monologue. you'd put that on David Coe's script more than James Franco's uh, performance. I put I. Yes. Yeah. If you were to ask the li- look, if you were to ask me what I put the line share. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think like I think you could have had a, an actor with more presence. Yeah. But it's not like you put an actor in there and then a sudden he was a great character. Yeah. He wasn't written to be a great character. Jake Dylan would probably be a better Harry Osborne. Of course. Like, you know if you look and back he's a, at and he's got great presence and yeah. everything, but he wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a great role. Yeah. Or anything like he that. He was limited you know? by the role. Um. So, so when we look through it all, like and. Is there any aspects of the movie you are you happy with the whole package? Actually, I loved the movie. Even looking back at it, even like, looking back at it, like, yeah. again I look back at it with more of a creep. But I, it was entertaining as hell. The actual scene where he fights Doc Ock on the, the clock tower onto the train yeah. was amazing, and I I was enamored with how 
well their power sets worked. Remember me and you, we went to it together and we yeah. talked about it was the Superman with uh, your better actor's names. Uh, are you talking about the Brandon Routh Superman? Thank you. Yeah. Brandon Routh Superman. And he was actually a great Superman, Superman who aesthetically beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't give... Su Superman needs somebody who could punch. And yeah. not just that. Somebody who could take a punch by Superman and yeah. get up. Doomsday. Yeah. Or, or, or Zod. Or somebody like that. And yeah. they didn't have that. And that was such a big... And I think they... Spider-Man 2 is the best film I can think of where A versus B... I think uh, Doc Ock could climb buildings. Yeah, Spider-Man Doc has Ock could destroy things, throw things. Like, alongside any other superhero, Spider-Man probably has the best rogues gallery. Of yeah, oh, easily. No, easily. Like, even compared to Batman, Batman has Joker and he has Bane, but it slowly, slowly gets, like, watered down as you go through. Like, yeah, you know well, of course. Like, how many... Name... Okay, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big Batman buff. Yeah. And you are as well. Name me two... I can name two. Yeah. And name me three... Um, Batman bad guys that he can fight. Yeah, most of it is more... He can beat Joe. Yeah, he can beat everyone Bane. except for Bane. Uh, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. And, and now I'm trying to think of a third. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're, you're straight It's away. not the Riddler. Yeah, you're jumping back to Victor's It's Clayface, but Clayface is so out there. Solomon Grundy, maybe? Solomon Grundy, yeah. again. But he's almost like... I see him Batman, fight Superman. Yeah, if you look at Batman's character, it's more of a... Battle of the Wits. Yeah, Battle of the Wits and, yeah. and, 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 and they use the fact that, super, that Batman needs to save everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you know. So, so, But they need somebody you can punch and I think the, it's the best film I can think of where Spider-Man was given somebody he could punch. And As I, in this guy could do amazing things. Because if you look at Spider-Man the best thing about Spider-Man as touched on is the rogues gallery because it's such strong depth that you can easily throw a different villain up at every film. Like, like MCU they went with Vulture and then they went with Mysterio, and then in the original trilogy, in the sequel, you have, uh, you have like Green Goblin, you have Doctor Octavius, and then you have uh, Sandman, and you have like this, the second iteration of Green Goblin, and then you see Venom and stuff appears. I respect the films afterwards <clears throat> for actually going like the Lizard and then Electro. Uh, like that's how deep it is. You yeah, have you know what I mean. They actually, they actually, they, they try to not revisit. I know they kind of revisit Harry Nor uh, Osborn. Yeah, but Dane uh, DeHaan plays him in the Amazing Spider-Man, starring yeah, Andrew and, Garfield. And uh, but at the same time, they, they, at least they try to keep it moving forward. Yeah, through the Rogues Gallery, to use your words. Yeah. Um, but I just thought the best guy for him to fight is probably Venom. But Venom, like, if they introduce Venom now, there was a Venom movie. Yeah. And now they can. Yeah, Venom compared. can't just be compacted in. Like Venom needs an origin story as deep as Spider-Man. Yeah. And how are you supposed to put that in a Spider-Man movie? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Doc Ock you could do. Yeah. They did it very and fluid. And then they were able to have huge fight scenes. Yeah, the problem is that you're you're constantly splitting the focus down the middle. You have to introduce these whole like layered characters and like they need their own standalone. Like you touched on with Tom Hardy's Venom and stuff. And that's the thing the MCU has given us. They give us these standalones, you can introduce these characters and they give more pathos and like mythos like they pay more like of a homage to the pathos and mythos of these characters because instead of it squeezing everything into one hour, forty five minutes or two hour long movie They've introduced these two and a half, three and a half, three hour long superhero movies, and we're happy to take it because we want to see more character development. And I think because you have people like Kevin Feige, hallowed be thy name, running the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he respects the fans more. And you see this in the gaming industry as well. The more the creators respect the source material and the fan base that comes associated with it, comes along with it, you see these better for uh, better movies. They pay more homage to the source material. They pay more homage to the fan base, and like. When you look at Spider Man Two, you, you like Venom is introduced to Spider Man Three. And we'll we'll go back to that because it was so poorly handled. But in Spider Man One, 
in Spider-Man 2, he, he focused on the singular villain and he introduced at the end, we we seen the James Franco as Harry Osborne becoming Venom, or sorry, Green Goblin. And like, that's why these movies benefited and that's why they're stronger than the, the third one is because they had one villain. Yeah. And you had that singular focus. And the, so like, do you think, so you, you're you like looking back at it now, because I, I, um, when we ended episode one, um, my issue one of this like whole thing we're going to work through, we were you happy with how Spider-Man 2 turned out then? And then I'm going to jump to you to now. When you seen it on this initial release, we have it. blown away by it. Because we mentioned it. It, it was my favourite superhero film when I was watching. Apart from X-Men 2. Apart from X-Men 2. 2. Sorry, and I did. I jumped over that earlier. Yeah. X-Men 2 was my favourite. Yeah. And Sorry, I just thought that was such a such a yeah. great, balanced film. Uh, but, but yeah, no, Spider-Man so, was right. And it's a real mainstream blockbuster. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. It, it really, it was the summer tentpole uh, to use the, the movie industry terms. So like, when I seen it originally, I thought it was fantastic and I loved the sequences and stuff. And But when I look back on it, I actually think it's, it hasn't aged that well, to be honest with you, in comparison to how, how I felt. Do you think it's aged well or...? or well, I see, I suppose, like, I mean, I, you take the... Uh, I thought it was a bit cheesy, but I yeah. thought comics are cheesy. Yeah, I guess You know so. what I mean? Like, I thought, like, if you're... true to the if, tone Yeah, if you're looking, if you're looking, because I'm a comic buff as well, yeah. uh, it's, it's stayed very true to the comic. Like, don't get me wrong, when he was talking to Aunt May and Aunt May gave almost an Uncle Ben speech about yeah. um, sometimes, you know, a hero in all of us and sometimes we have to give up our dreams and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, yeah. Jesus, it's a bit long-winded. It was her, I thought it was her way of telling him that I know you're Spider-Man, which it was. Yeah. But also, he ends up using those exact words um, on Doc Ock yeah. to convince him to, to drown. Actually, yeah, I caught yeah. that too, yeah. Yeah, so uh, again, it had, it had that kind of cheesy quality which I, honestly I could have done without. Yeah. But I'm not going to judge the film too harshly for it yeah. that's the way comics are, man. Yeah, I get you. Like, but... Um, the way they portrayed certain characters I'm going to judge them and I think as you said we're a bit spied now with the MCU and this amazing character development Like, and I know a lot of people are going to jump on me and talk about how Marvel's villains are kind of a bit one dimensional apart from Loki and Thanos and, but I think they'll, they'll become more and more layered as the movies go along but like when you look at this movie it retroactively I think certain aspects haven't really aged well as I thought it would because as I said to you earlier on we both said that next one too and Blade 2, I'm not sure, I think it came later, were the pinnacle of superhero comic adaptations at that time. I actually think Blade 2 might have been 2003 as well. Yeah, like, but like, so we were really spied for Chase at the start of that de uh, decade. And, um, like, so would you give it the, the thumbs up? This, yes. You know what I mean? As opposed to giving it the thumbs down. And let's, yeah. just, let's just make it a simple system. Of, is it thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah. It's thumbs up. There's no question about that. It's just thumbs up. It's just a good fucking film. Yeah. You know, and again, like, when you look at... Sometimes I, I feel like I'm looking at it now with a critique's eye, and I'm often quite pissed off with yeah. with people because they judge films harshly, but I suppose that's what you do when you literally look at it through a certain vein. Yeah, I get you, yeah. Uh, and that's what I was doing. I was looking at it through a certain vein. But if you take the standalone uh, fight sequences... Yeah. Brilliant. You take the surgical... Uh, when they were trying to remove the Doc Ock's arms in the theatre, I thought that was literally... I can't think of a better a scene in a superhero film I prefer. Yeah. Uh, bar maybe the opening of X-Men 2 with uh, Nightcrawler in the White House. Oh, incredible, yeah. Just incredible. Yeah, Alan, uh, Cullin Alan Cummings, I think. Cummings, Cummings, yeah. Just incredible. But uh, I just thought that was such a great scene. And I just thought the film really expanded the Spider-Man universe. I felt like it was fluid. Yeah. And I just think it deserves massive props for that. Once again, its pacing was very good. Its pacing was yeah, very Sam good. Sam Raimi's very talented at the pacing. Like, like it started... And, and, and I really thought at the start of the film... Um, when 
I thought like God, we're not, we don't need to be introduced to Spider Man, and they really slapped me in the face with it. Yeah. But he was a stopping a bank robbery and b delivering pizzas. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, no, right, he's Spider Man now. Yeah, and he's Peter Parker. Yeah, and you know, it just it, it just was what it was, and I thought that was really well done. So no, it's a thumbs up for me. Yeah, easily, and I could probably sit and shit on it for about two hours, but I would I probably praise it for yeah. three. So before we leave for the day, and I I'm going to ask you like we want to finish up, and what would you think was the best aspect of the Spider Man Two experience? The best aspect of the Spider Man Two experience, yeah. I think, for me, and I just touched upon it, was how well what Doc Ock could do with, with, with four dimensional yeah. observation through the claws yeah. and the strength and the ability to climb, the ability to jump. To, his power set was in ways very yeah. similar to Spider-Man. So lack of a better term, his symbiosis with his tentacles was the best aspect. Exactly. Of and yeah. he was able to fight Spider-Man on a fair, not just fight him on a physical level, but yeah. a very power set level. Yeah. And I just thought, they, they complemented each other. They well. complemented each other yeah. so well, and that's where the entertainment. That's where they like leave your brain at the door and just watch it. Yeah, I get you. and it had so such a long, beautiful scene. And that scene where the fight on the, the uh, I just thought that build up, that alone. If there's if it's a five star, five star rating system, yeah. I think it gets a star and a half or two stars based on that. Yeah, like, that's how strong it was. Yeah, yeah. so like I I'm agreeing with you there. I think the best aspect of the entire film is Alfredo. Excuse me, Alfred Molina's portrayal of Doctor Octavius, and like he really added a lot of credence to the role, and it, and I can clearly see why the MCU, if the rumors are proven to be true, are thinking about bringing him back to reprise the role, and uh, obviously I've made my my opinions well aware that my worst my for this movie is James Franco's portrayal of. Harry Osborn, but what was your worst? Um, oh, no, James Franco as well. I, again, yeah. I don't necessarily blame James Franco, but because you know, again, the script was the script. But so you don't you don't blame how the actor used the character. You blamed how no, like, the filmmakers used the character. He wasn't great. Like he was so like almost pantomimeish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's you know, he was place. like he because the scene he walks out and he goes like. Spider-Man or something yeah, I, I and, and his bodyguard said he saved you sorry he goes he humiliated yeah, me yeah he's like, like he, no he embarrassed me yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he goes I'm ruined now Spider-Man is all I have now or something I hate yeah. for Spider-Man or something like, they were just trying to rush along just his hatred for Spider-Man because there was so much else to be doing yeah exactly and, you know it just yeah it just um, felt so like so when you look back over it I think we're kind of in, uh, we both agree that Alfred Molina's portrayal as Doc Ock was amazing and James Franco was a weak link, whether that be his own fault or he's or not. Maybe it was David Coeps or maybe Sam Raimi that didn't really appreciate the character. But like we, yeah, it's hard to get everything right, though. Exactly, like it is hard because like these films are so much going on. I mean, you have two hours back then. There was there was no two and a half hours superhero movies. So like, do you, do you want to leave it there? Do you think there's anything else we need to? No, cover? I think we've covered are it. You have yeah, enough. Yeah, happy enough. Yeah. So like, uh, all right, folks. I'm going to. I'm your host, Vincent Green, and this was. I, we if you noticed we've changed up the name I did a bit of research I didn't want to trounce in other people's properties we've changed up the name this is no longer the Spider Fan Podcast this is now the Spider Fan Family Hour for better or worse that's what it's going to be as we continue on hopefully you're you're okay with the name change forgive us we're new to this but like I'm Vince Green I'm your host and once again this is No John Tui as my guest and he's been awesome he's going to return in in the near future for Spider-Man 3 we're going to cover it Noel say goodbye to all the people at home I'll see you on the web ah come on <laughs> he's going to we're going to sling right back into your home soon people I've heard he's throwing out the puns I'm going to join him I am a conformist alright so everybody I want to say it because I'm going to keep saying it 
We owe such a huge thanks to Stan Lieberman. Stan Lee, you are a legend. Thank you, sir. Rest, rest in power. power. Rest in power. Steve Dicko, rest in power. And Jack Kirby, we right. didn't mention it the first time, and I feel remiss. I'm so sorry. Rest in power, my good friend. You are a legend. You're a friend to all of us because you brought these characters into our homes, into our lives. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time, folks, for Spider-Man 3. For better or worse, we're going to cover that, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. No, say goodbye to everybody at home. Spider-Man 3 was awful. Spider-Man 3 is awful. <laughs> all right, I love you all. Good luck. We're out. Peace. Peace, motherfuckers. My spider sense tells me this cake isn't for eating. It's for throwing! Your cake! I'm sure I'd have gotten a big bang out of it. Look, I'm not just a nut in long johns. I go to college and everything.